And good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of GCR. That would make me Glenn Clark. Griffin's here, as is Charles. Good to have you with us. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com. To find the best deals on a Toyota Tacoma from your local Toyota dealer today. Lots to do on a Tuesday edition of the program. I am still not used to looking that way at the camera instead of I am. This is. I'll get there eventually. In a couple of minutes, Joel Corey, former NFL agent. Now with CBSSports.com, he wrote in detail about the uh, Ravens situation with Lamar Jackson last week. We'll talk to him about that. It is a Tuesday, so we'll catch up with our buddy Patrick Stevens from the Washington Post, uh, talk about the Terps, talk about everything that's been going on in college basketball for the last two weeks since I was not here last week. Speaking of college hoops, Cam Spencer, former Loyola star, of course, uh, Boys Latin alum. Probably remember his brother, Pat, pretty good at both basketball and lacrosse. Maybe one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time. Also now maybe a step away from joining the Golden State Warriors. Um, Cam Spencer will join us. He's having a great season after he transferred to Rutgers. Helped beat Maryland a couple weeks back. Uh, hit a game-winning three to a hand Purdue, their first loss of the season on the road. We'll talk to Cam Spencer, get caught up with him, and uh, also before the show is over today, we're going to do a little Courts of Thunder action. Our buddy Greg Rosenthal from uh, NFL Network, NFL.com, but must, much more importantly from the ever-popular but currently dormant Courts of Thunder podcast. Because if you're going to do a podcast about Grand Slam tennis, a great time to not do it is during a Grand Slam tennis tournament. It's just the nature of it being football season, and Greg's got work to do, and I went to Disney. It's just not, not practical, but we will talk uh, Australian Open. Bummer of a night. <clears throat> for American tennis fans, just because Jesse Pagula looked like she was informed to have a legitimate chance to win her first Grand Slam. Unfortunately, she goes out in straight sets to Vika Azarenka. And uh, before that, Seb Korda, just when I was ready to get back on board, just when I was ready, kind of got smoked by Karen Hatchinoff. Really a bummer of a night. Still two American men left. They'll play tonight, Ben Shelton and Tommy Paul. One of them will be in the semifinals where they will earn the right to get their ass handed to them by Novak Djokovic, almost certainly. You don't know that. I don't know that. In fact, I think that there's. I think that Andre Rublev has an opportunity, has a chance against Novak Djokovic tonight. Not. I wouldn't. I would never bet it. Not with my life on the line. But I think he has a chance tonight to do that. Um, I don't think it much matters. I think either one of them will smoke whoever wins the Tommy Paul uh, Ben Shelton matchup this evening. We'll talk about that. We'll also obviously talk about Lamar, the Ravens, the playoffs, all those things with Greg Rosenthal later on. Um, today, of course, is Baseball Hall of Fame ballot announcement day. Uh, MLB Network will unveil the ballots in what I believe is a four-hour broadcast special because, you know, it definitely takes four hours to potentially announce no names. It's a very real scenario that could play out tonight, by the way. There is a 100% chance, 100% chance makes it that it would definitely happen. Yeah. So how would I say this? There's it's a 50-50, a a definitely a non-zero chance. And I would say it's almost as good as 50-50 that there will be no names announced tonight to join Fred McGriff in this year's Class of the Baseball Hall of Fame. 
Because um, the public votes are always they always overshoot, right? The, I think there was only like one time in history. Wow. Where there was more anonymous ballots. Right. Okay. I think, and I you can do- double check my 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 math on that one. I believe there was one time ever since Ryan Thibodeau and his team started this baseball Hall of Fame tracker. I, I don't know. It, it's been around as long as we've been doing the unveiling with Dave Ginsburg, which has been at least seven years. So. I want to say they started this thing 10 or so years ago, maybe 15 years ago. So as long as they've been doing the Baseball Hall of Fame tracker, I believe there was one player ever whose number grew the day of the announcement. And everybody else's went down because typically the the, the voters that don't want their ballots out there tend to be a bit more conservative, tend to be guys that are a bit stingier when it comes to Hall of Fame voting. They tend to be uh, the Carson Wares of the world, Carson uh, Triweekly, who was very, very stingy on who was allowed to be in his baseball Hall of Fame. At the moment, the best chances for getting into the Hall of Fame belong to Scott Rowland, who sits at 79.6% of ballots, and Todd Helton, who sits just one vote behind at 79.1% of ballots, that being said, less than half of the ballots are currently known. So there's a lot of unknown out there. There's far more unknown than there is known. It's it's good polling. It's representative. But typically these numbers tend to come down by about 5%. And if they come down 5%, Neither one of Scott Rowland or Todd Helton will get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. It feels like among the voters, there's a thought that Rowland has a chance that he could hold steady at about 70-ish percent of votes the rest of the way, and he's got a chance of getting in. It tends to be more popularly believed that Todd Helton, despite sitting at 79.1% right now, won't get in because now you get into the voters that are a little bit more strict and those are the voters that are more likely to still hold up Todd Helton because of the Colorado thing. So we'll see. We'll find out. The, the broadcast starts at 4 o'clock. I am to understand the unveiling or the announcement will happen or in the range of 6 o'clock. Okay. And we'll get an answer on the Hall of Fame. There is a possibility that no one will get in. These are the only two guys that have a chance of this group based on the way that voting is set up. I mean, somebody would point out that Billy Wagner currently sits 72.3%, but again, unless Griffin is going to pull up a different stat for me, like one player ever, I believe, has had that number grow in anonymous ballots versus public ballots. So the expectation is that won't happen, and those are the only two guys that legitimately have a chance. But we'll get those answers tonight when the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame class is announced. And again, they will join Fred McGriff, who we already know will be in the Hall of Fame. Nothing else particularly newsworthy. Uh, I know a lot of people were kind of reacting to the news that Trayvon Mullen was claimed on waivers by the Baltimore Ravens. I, I have no idea. Like, to think that you're just kissing Lamar Jackson's ass by claiming his cousin on waivers, like, I, maybe. <laughs> I can't tell you with certainty that it isn't that way. Like if Lamar Jackson said, "Oh shoot, yeah, Trey's here." I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Or like he said, "Look, I'll come talk to you guys, but I need you to do me a favor." And they were like, "Well, hell, like it's even weird that they put him on waivers because he's a free agent anyway. Like he's not even he's I don't even know what this means claiming Trayvon Mullen off of waivers. It's so bizarre. 
he still becomes a free agent. All this does is give them the right to negotiate with him before he becomes a free agent. Like this doesn't this doesn't do anything. It's so utterly weird. Now, Trayvon Mullen, once upon a time, obviously, was a very thought-of prospect. I mean, he was very highly regarded. He was a second-round pick. He was a top-40 pick in the NFL draft. There was a time where he was really well thought of, but he has bounced around. It did not work out uh, with the Raiders. He spent this season between Arizona and Dallas. In a world where the Ravens can use as many cornerbacks as possible, and this is something I, I we're gonna we need to start doing. Are we gonna do an NFL draft segment this week? Where are we with that? Uh, I'm working on it. Yeah. All right. We need to start yeah. our weekly NFL draft segments this week because we will do lots of NFL draft coverage, obviously, between now and April. Um, I, I've already seen a couple. I believe, in fact, our buddy Chris Trapasso had them taking a cornerback. I think he had them taking Joey Porter, which was part of the reason why I wanted him to be first up because God, wouldn't that just be delicious? Oh my God, could you imagine? If it was Joey Porter, who, of course, everybody remembers famously cheap-shotted Todd Heap. Not not Joey Porter Jr., of course. He did not do that. I believe he would have been, like, one year old at this point. But famously, Joey Porter Sr., of course, took that uh, legendary cheap shot on Todd Heap. And Todd Heap admitted to me a couple years ago that, like, he truly hated Joey Porter for a little while. Like, they were at a golf tournament at one point and refused to even say hello to him because he was so pissed off about what a cheap shot it was. Um, so it would be, I mean, like when I saw that, I thought about all the scenarios. Because I've seen like the, the the PFF mock draft or whoever it was, they had him taking Anthony Richardson, and I was like, all right. You know, like, we're not, I'm not going there. I'm just not, I'm not even indulging. Until we get to the point where we have to, I'm not indulging. I, I, won't, I won't go there yet. It's so absurd to me that we're presenting scenarios. I'll get back to that. Remind me to get back to that. To Anthony Richardson? Just the quarterback topic okay. in a second. I'm not even going there yet in our coverage of the draft. So of the practical scenarios, the Joey Porter thing is delicious. Like, it is everything you could ask for as someone who covers local sports. My God, the reaction to that. Now, people that are Griffin's and Charles's age, I don't even know if they like remember just how vitriolic things were towards Joey Porter in Baltimore. They couldn't. They were. They, Griffin was two. I can't, yeah, I can't Char- say I do. Charles isn't even from here. You know, like they, they. There's no way that they could have any knowledge. Like, but as hated Steelers go, I don't know that there was one more that was significantly hated than Joey Porter was because not James Harrison. Or? No, James Harrison was. Nobody liked James Harrison, but he was a tough, hard-nosed football player. Like. There was more bitterness that the Ravens had James Harrison and let him go. Like that, it was more a bitterness that, like, dude, you had this guy and just let him walk, and he turned out to be James Harrison. What the hell, man? Like that was really stupid. Joey Porter was hate despised because it was as blatant a cheap shot as there's ever been in the history of football. Like Todd Heap could barely walk. And they knew they were just getting up to, to, to clock the ball. And he still took a shot at him just because that was the nature of the Raven-Steelers rivalry. Like, that's what happened when Raven-Steelers was Raven-Steelers. If Joey Porter's son were to become a Baltimore Raven, holy effing F. <laughs> I might go streaking. It would be so amazing. It would just be so delicious. But the point of this being 
that they have him drafting a cornerback because you can just never have too many cornerbacks. And you look around and say, even if the Ravens were to bring back Marcus Peters, how many of us were very comfortable with what we saw from Marcus Peters this season? Exactly. Exactly. Like, better than the other options, probably, but he was very clearly on the downside of his career. So... I do think cornerback is in place. So in a world where, and I used to say this about wide receiver. Remember, uh, Kyle and I used to have these conversations all the time about wide receiver. Look anywhere. Look in the CFL. Look in the Arena League. Look anywhere. Nothing you're doing at the position is working. Try anything to find some more wide receivers. I remember people were making fun of them bringing in Devere Posey one year. And I was like, why are you making fun of it? They don't have anybody. Bring in all of them. Bring in... Every receiver you can possibly bring in and pray that one of them works out. And there's something to be said about that with cornerback. Like, you can never have too many. So it it might literally have nothing to do with Lamar Jackson and just be the Ravens looking and saying, dude, we need, you know, we thought we brought in a ton of cornerbacks last year. We drafted a couple. We signed uh, Kendall Fuller. Like, we thought we did a lot of work at cornerback last Kyle, year. Kyle Fuller. It was Kyle Fuller, right. Kendall Fuller's in Washington. Sorry. I will forever do that, by the way. And there's two others. There's so many Fullers. God, there's so many Fullers. Should have brought in Will Fuller. I, I, I don't know about that. And he's not one of the Fuller brothers. Everybody else know, gets that man. wrong. He is not. There are four Fuller brothers, and there's Will Fuller, who's a completely different thing. And isn't there Jordan Fuller? Aren't there, like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. nothing but Fullers. In I the mean, end. Will Fuller is a receiver. You he is a receiver. a receiver. I, and by the way, I get it. <laughs> it couldn't have been worse. You're right. It couldn't have been worse. There's no question about that. There is no doubt whatsoever. The point being, I think the cornerback position you can treat in a similar way, which is bring in a ton. Bring in everybody you can bring in. Just keep bringing in cornerbacks because you just never know. I mean, they, they had Daryl Worley and Kevon Seymour playing significant roles with his football team down the stretch. Bring in as many guys as you can bring in. That's the only reaction I have to Trayvon Mullen whatsoever. It, it's, it is kind of silly, like, the thought that, this is Lamar Jackson's cousin, and maybe they're just trying to kiss Lamar Jackson's ass, but I don't even know if that's the case. Um, I saw a couple people. I saw uh, my friends over at 105.7 The Fan doing this yesterday. I cannot believe that anyone is entertaining. And, and I'm not – I'm trying to remember what it was. I saw our friends at 105.7 did, like, a poll about who you would want as a Ravens bridge quarterback if they moved on from Lamar Jackson. And I just can't believe we're doing this with straight faces. I can't believe that we're having these conversations. I can't believe anyone is talking about a scenario where they wouldn't have pitchforks out that involved Geno Smith being the Baltimore Ravens quarterback next season. I can't believe we're doing this and taking it seriously, which isn't to say it's impossible that it could end up playing out. I don't know. But to have the conversations practically as if it's an acceptable thing for a franchise to do to just not have a quarterback, this is the... It comes off very disrespectful to Geno Smith, who I know had a very surprising and solid season, but let's not pretend like anything about what Geno Smith did. And I remember Drew bringing this up when he was like, well, dude, you know, this happens sometimes. You know, the Seahawks moved on from Russell Wilson. They were just fine. No, they weren't. 
They were not. They were better than we thought they were going to be. Geno Smith was far more credible than any of us believed he was going to be as a quarterback this season. But at no point, at any point this season, did any one of us think, Geno Smith could win you a Super Bowl. Not one person, save for, you know, the most ardent of Seahawks fans that just want to believe anything for the sake of believing anything. No reasonable observer watched that and said, that guy could win a Super Bowl. Great story. Awesome story. You're happy for Geno Smith, man. What a cool story to be written off and to resurrect your football career. I talk about how much I like Tyrod Taylor. I love Tyrod Taylor. Incredible dude. Awesome that a guy that no one believed was a starting caliber quarterback in the league proved to be a guy that could last for as long as he has. It's amazing. But no one ever watched Tyrod Taylor play and said, you can win a Super Bowl with that guy. Now, I get it. We're all kind of adjusting to what's going on in San Francisco and trying to figure out how that impacts what other teams might do. And I don't have the answer yet. I still don't think the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl, particularly after I saw how mid Brock Purdy played on Sunday. But I can't say it's impossible. And they have a loaded, insanely good roster. And they only need to win two more games in order to do it. So it's totally possible that they'll be able to pull it off. But does that set a new standard? Does that say declaratively that you can just have mid-level quarterback play and win a Super Bowl? Or is it the outlier? Or is it the thing where you say, yeah, this almost certainly isn't going to happen. The idea of signing up why go all in on Roquan Smith to turn around and have a bridge quarterback? Why load up the way that you have as a franchise on defense to turn around and let Derek Carr be your quarterback? It's a real burn-it-down type of thought process. If Lamar Jackson's not your guy, if you're not going to have a quarterback, rebuild. Rebuild. Go start all over again. If you don't think it's worth it to pay market value for a quarterback, and you can be bothered by what market value has become, you can be angry about that and pissed off about the Cleveland Browns and the whole thing, but you're whining to nobody. If you're mad about that and you don't want to have a quarterback, rebuild. Because you're not winning a damn thing with a good defense and Derek Carr. It ain't happening. I mean, you could win nine games. You could be competitive. The Seahawks were competitive this year, right? Like, the Seahawks figured out a way to be just good enough to not be able to draft their quarterback next year. Where they kind of either have to commit to Geno Smith at a far bigger price, knowing he's still probably not good enough for you to win a Super Bowl, or you have to take whatever's left of the quarterback market by the time you get there. I can't believe we're talking about bridge quarterbacks. I can't believe that's a conversation that we would have with a straight face and not immediately say, this is insane. It's bonkers that a franchise would consider going that route.
Today's show also brought to you by... Ooh, just a reminder, the gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. We will get back into uh, a lot of conversation throughout the course of the show, but we're going to stick with some Ravens right now. Always appreciate our conversations with our next guest. He wrote at length last week while I was gone about the Lamar Jackson situation with the Baltimore Ravens. He is a former NFL agent. He now handles these contract conversations for CBSSports.com. He's our friend Joel Corey, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Joel, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up. Thank you for taking the time for us. Sure, thanks for having me. You know, we're in such a weird place, Joel, like with all of this, because it's so difficult to figure out exactly what's going on. Let me start with this question. If the reports are true that we have seen about what the Ravens offered to Lamar Jackson last summer, do you feel like they were negotiating with Lamar Jackson in good faith, given what those numbers were? Yeah, that's a reasonable offer, and it's fair to say that's good faith. Um, One thing which wasn't reported in addition to the $133 million fully guaranteed at signing, which would have been the second most NFL contract, is what the total guarantee was. I saw a report from someone in NFL media that it was roughly in the same neighborhood of 67% of the total new money being guaranteed. So that would put the overall guarantee at least at 170 Um Contract was a year too long for my liking. Um, I would have wanted a four-year extension if I'm Lamar, if I'm not going fully guaranteed contract. And then there was something else I'd read. There was definitely a non-starter. Um, $2 million salary de-escalator for not participating in some unspecified percent of the off-season workout program. The Ravens do not have any type of clause like that in anybody else's contract. And I know that was definitely in response to what the Cardinals did with Kyler Murray. Interesting. Interesting. And and you think that, that quarterback like players will not go for that in the contract moving forward? I don't know why Kyler Murray did. Well, a lot of things I don't know why Kyler Murray did like that. <laughs> clause they got they got taken out the homework clause. Yeah, right. The, the, the no um, play, no playing video games clause, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that that's for for a different day, but um I'm not setting a precedent contractually with the Ravens because what's going to happen from Lamar Jackson, they're going to use that against every other player in the future, and every other player is going to get stuck with that. So you're saying that there's just no way. We don't even go that route. We don't even consider it. No how, no sir. Yeah, that, that workout participation, salary escalator, that would be a non-starter for me. So I, I guess the question becomes, I have been told it's not – and again, I'm, I've been told by sources that I believe that I would know that it's not as simple as it's fully guaranteed or nothing, that there could be room in there. Do you still feel, I remember we talked, you know, at the beginning of this season and you felt like there would still be room between what the Ravens have offered and fully guaranteed to do something that would work for both sides. Do you still believe that could be the case? Yeah, I think that's where Lamar could benefit from an agent because the agent's job is, one, to tell a player what he needs to hear as opposed to what he wants to hear, but you also are executing the client's 
his wishes because you work for the client. The client does not work for you. Um, also, at the same time, if Lamar had an agent, he probably gets done at the Josh Allen $43 million per year range on maybe a six-year extension um, before the 2021 season starts. So it's kind of worked out not having an agent. But, yeah, I still think there is a way to get a deal done which is not fully guaranteed. Um, I don't know if the Ravens would go for what I would have in mind, but it's still going to be four years. You're going to front load the crap out of that thing, kind of like the Mark Andrews um, structure in terms of how the cash flow percentages work. And I'm going to borrow something from Dak Prescott's contract where I got a no-trade clause and he can't franchise me after the fourth year. So, okay, let's let's take a step back then. If if for whatever reason it is really a black and white scenario where his camp is saying fully guaranteed or we're doing nothing. I've always been confused as to why teams balk at the idea of the quarterback getting fully guaranteed. We we, we talked I talked about this with Dominic Foxworth a little while back where I said, I get that in their minds it's a slippery slope, right? If the quarterbacks start getting fully guaranteed, then the next guy is going to ask for fully guaranteed. And Dom kind of laughed at me and said, yeah, but the next guys aren't quarterbacks. Like, the next guys, these teams, the teams are moving on from their, Devontae Adams was moved. Like, Tyreek Hill was moved. The teams are moving on from players at every other position. They don't have the leverage, plain and simple. Why wouldn't, knowing damn well that every quarterback gets their money, like, it's, it seems like such a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing to me that we're fighting about the idea of fully guaranteed. Whatever deal Lamar Jackson signs, barring something absurd, he's going to get all of the money anyway, right? Yeah, quarterbacks usually play out the bulk of the deal. The problem is being quarterbacks outside of uh, Kirk Cousins have not exercised the leverage to get fully guaranteed contracts. Most of these guys do an extension one or two years um, before their contracts are due. And Lamar's big problem isn't, well, one, it's the fact that Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed contract when he had a bunch of off-the-field issues. It's that nobody else followed it up. Kyler Murray was never getting a fully guaranteed contract, and they're sticking a homework clause in his contract, not fully guaranteeing it. I blame Russell Wilson. This was set up for Russell Wilson to get a fully guaranteed contract. They gave up the sun, the moon, and the stars to get him. And the new ownership group has more money than practically anybody on the planet. It's from the Walmart family. Um, That particular uh, guy is like the 20th richest guy on the planet. So to me, the conditions were ripe for Russell Wilson to insist on a fully guaranteed contract. He didn't. And right now it's an outlier. So no NFL team is going to follow this Deshaun Watson thing that's an outlier because teams don't like establishing new precedents to begin with. Joe Corey is with us, former NFL agent, now with CBS Sports. Joe, let me let me lay out the like if it doesn't happen, because I know you wrote about the the tag scenario. I, I come back to and I, I loathe saying these words because I loathe the idea of moving on from a franchise quarterback. We've just literally never seen this in like the history of football. Um, but isn't there a point at which you've got to figure out what the direction of your franchise is? And and I feel like the NFL draft sets up kind of a deadline for this. Like if you're going to end up considering trading Lamar Jackson, 
then don't you need to do it before the draft because you don't want every other team filling their quarterback need during the draft and then having fewer teams involved in the process? And don't don't you have to use the draft in order to find your next quarterback? Like if if there is a scenario at which the Ravens are going to consider trading Lamar Jackson, don't they need to do it before the NFL draft? Yeah, which those those are very good points. Now now the thing is that they said all the right things after they were eliminated from the playoffs, which uh, John Harbaugh had a totally different tone than when he seemed perturbed that Lamar wasn't playing about how he's going to have input in the offensive coordinator. Right. He's going to be here 200%. If they still have a stalemate on its fully guaranteed contract, Steve Bishide doesn't want to give one, then they got to make a decision on which franchise tag, non-exclusive or exclusive. I would not stick the non-exclusive on him because you're capped to two first-round picks as your uh, compensation because that's an offer sheet and he can end up in the AFC and you got to face him. Yep. I go non-exclusive, which will be like forty-five million, and then you can try to get a Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson haul while working jointly with him, and you would try to trade him before the draft. I still think 2024 is when the rubber meets the road and Lamar plays on a franchise tag in 2023 if push comes to shove. So you think that there's the option for them to go one more year with this, and then after next season, that's when they have to figure out exactly what they're going to do? Yeah, because then you don't have a choice. You either give him what he wants. Right. Or you have to trade him because you're not going to stick a third franchise tag on him for practically $78 million. So 2024 is the point where you have to absolutely make a decision one way or another. I think you have a ready-made championship defense. You take a step back if it's a draft pick and Anthony Richardson or whomever, if you trade enough picks and you're trying to get someone in the 2023 draft, um, you get enough picks in, in, in return for Lamar. So I really think it gets punted for a year, and it's 2024 is the year of reckoning. It just feels like ev- like everything should be on the table at this point, and you should feel like what you know, you know what you're doing. I get your point. I guess the question that, that a Ravens fan would probably have, and this goes back to the unknown of what happened at the end of the season, which is don't you set yourself up for if you put a tag on Lamar, a potential another scenario playing out where, you know, if – if he ends up dealing with something injury related, he says to himself, I'm I'm not gonna rush back. I'm not gonna like don't don't you set yourself up for the awkwardness to potentially continue for another year if you do this on the tag. Yeah, he, he, there's a real possibility he's not gonna show up until he feels like it right before training camp, because unsigned players, un players of unsigned tenders can't be fine, so they don't have to show up to mini camp. Yep. And he would sign it on his own time. I don't see Lamar Jackson foregoing what would be $45 million and not playing because that's about 40% more of his career earnings today. So, I hear you. Right. Uh, he's he's going he's gonna to play on a franchise tag if you give it to him. Then it, be, it will become 2024, but it's not conducive to a great offseason. I boy, I, I it just seems awkward, right? And I get it, like you know, this is Lamar Jackson that we're talking about. If he shows up the week before the season begins, you're he's gonna play. Like you're not gonna say, "Hey, dude, we'd rather have Tyler Huntley line up in Week One." Like he's gonna play. If that's the case, it just seems like you're setting yourself up for things to be entirely uncomfortable. Um, Joe, I know the answer to this, but I, I want you to explain it to people that don't. There is this notion from some that because the Ravens did a twenty million dollar per year deal with Roquan Smith 
that if they were to give Lamar Jackson a big-time contract, that means they would no longer have any money to spend. Um, I've seen the numbers. I know that's not true, but can you explain to people why it's it's not that simple? Like when they just want to say, well, you can't, you can't give a quarterback that much money or you're not going to be able to sign another player, it might not be that simple. Well, there's a cash budget and a, and a salary cap, and each team sets a cash budget and goes accordingly. And from a salary cap perspective, it's better to get Lamar on a long-term deal because you're not dealing with ultimately what would be a $45 million cap hit for 2023. You, the way the Ravens do long-term deals, and let's say he agreed to a five-year deal, then they're going to go signing bonus and have a low first-year cap hit. I think um, Roquan's first-year cap hit next year for 2023 is $9 million. I don't quote me on that. I'm just going off the top of my head from what I remember. So you'd have a signing bonus and you'd have an option bonus. So an option bonus is prorated on the cap, just like the signing bonus. So then that would be prorated um, as well. So you'd have low cap numbers the first two years, and then they would the cap number would start really spiking in 2025. And by then the cap will start jumping dramatically because the new TV money would fully have kicked in and all the money needed to be paid back uh, from the COVID year when the uh, uh, borrow, money was borrowed so the cap, the bottom would have fallen out of the cap, well, that'll be over as well. So it's better for you from a cap standpoint, one, to have cost certainty and have your quarterback for the future, but from a uh, cap standpoint, it's better for Lamar to be on a long-term deal than going as a year-to-year proposition. No question. Obviously, the franchise tag would be far more costly, a one-year all-at-once nothing you can do about it type of number. Uh, Roquan, it looks like a $9 million number for next season, by the way, in 2023 is what I'm coming up with. Um, Joel, do you, do you have a gut any longer? Like, is, is your gut, the, the thing that you said, that it's one more year and then the, that that's when the rubber meets the road, but, like, do you still have a gut about what that means when the rubber meets the road? Well, you're definitely not going to fully guarantee a contract to Lamar this year because this is the second straight December. He barely played football or didn't play football. So why are you going to fully guarantee a contract to a guy who now has more durability concerns than he did when we were negotiating last time? So I still think 2024 is when the decision's made. If he gets through 2024 totally healthy, uh, plays all 17 games, that erases some of the durability concerns. If you if he wins the Super Bowl, let's say he's back in 2023, you win a Super Bowl, then you have to do whatever he wants, just like he reluctantly did for Joe Flacco. I'm not comparing them as a player. I'm just comparing the situation in terms of you made Flacco the highest-paid player when you didn't want to from winning a Super Bowl. If Lamar Jackson wins a Super Bowl, you're going to give him a fully guaranteed contract whether you want to or not. Uh, what can we plug for you, my friend? Podcast, the whole deal. What can we get a plug-in for? Um, yeah, uh, working on a podcast, which will come out either today or tomorrow on Tom Brady's decision to keep playing and what it would mean cap wise for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whether he's there, retires or someplace else. And also tomorrow CBS article will be on Saquon Barkley and what would be a fair contract for him. Um, obviously someone who uh, is going to be in high demand despite the position not being valued the way that it was once before. He's still Saquon Barkley, as he proved this season. 
at Corey Joel on Twitter. C-O-R-R-Y Joel on Twitter is how you follow him. Joel Corey, always appreciate you, my friend. I, I know we've had about a million of these exact conversations, and I'm sure this won't be the last one, but I always thank you for the insight that you give us about it, all right? It's... Oh, anytime. It's Joel Corey from CBSSports.com, former NFL agent with us here on GCR. I, I understand his thought process on – you, you sort of write it out for one more year, right? Like, I understand that thought process, but you, you are setting yourself up for, like, legitimate awkwardness in the process. I, I don't understand what... If it's, if it's one more year because you just want to see if he plays 17 games, so what's the penalty if he misses one? Like, that's it? Was it worth that trade-off for... Lamar to say, I'm not going to come show up for anything in the offseason, like anything at all. I'm not showing up for training camp. I'm not showing up for is, – is that worth it? Like, I, it just feels like you're dragging your feet when you know what the answer is. And it's been presented to me by a couple of people. What if it really is that Lamar just doesn't want to sign? Okay, well, that's a different – that's a horse of a different color. We have not at any step been presented a scenario where he just refuses to sign with the Baltimore Ravens. So I don't operate in absurd hypotheticals. But if for whatever reason that actually is the case, he's so bothered by something that exists, his relationship with someone, despite Eric DeCosta and John Harbaugh going on about their relationships with Lamar Jackson, but the truth is he just personally does not like somebody here and does not want to be here, that's a different conversation that I can't speak to. And by the way, if for some reason that was true, I would probably encourage you to go ahead and get this done now. I don't know why you'd be waiting another year. You know how I feel. I'm not going to waver on it. There's no reason. You can't try to bamboozle me into thinking that fully guaranteeing a contract for a quarterback is some big deal. It's not. They get their money. Always. Now, I get it. I do think the real fight is about the slope that owners believe that that will take us down and that other players at other positions will start asking for fully guaranteed contracts as well. I believe that's the holdup. Dom, who, of course, somebody I trust, former NFLPA president, one of the smartest humans that I've ever known, Dominique Foxworth tells me, dude, it's not that simple. Like, you don't just get to say... Well, you gave the quarterback a fully guaranteed contract, so now you give me a fully guaranteed contract. Teams have proven they are willing to move on from anyone else. How'd it look for the Packers without Devontae Adams? But they're willing. No team has ever been willing to move on from this level of quarterback. But they have proven over and over again they'll move on from any other player at any other position. They don't have that leverage. Teams will move on. The Chiefs are kind of proving that you you can move on from a great player and still be all right. Not from a quarterback, but from any other player. So Dom's point is well taken. Like the, it, the fear of a slippery slope doesn't stand up. It's as slippery a slope until a team proves willing to do it. If some team proves willing to give a player a fully guaranteed contract in another position, well then... That changes. But right now, the evidence that we have is that teams will simply move on from players at other positions. I do get the complication. I'm not trying to pretend like it doesn't exist. 
Championship weekend in the NFL. Two big games coming up on Sunday and an opportunity for you to win money betting on those two games. Of course, the AFC and NFC title games are this Sunday. And right now, you should wander over to PressBoxOnline.com offers and sign up with BetMGM, bet $10, and automatically get $200 in additional free bets. Get this promo and more by going to PressBoxOnline.com offers right now. You can get over $2,000 in promo offers from all of Maryland's mobile sportsbooks. From uh, uh, Andrew Stecka. Very, very fair point. Very fair point. The only person that's comparable to uh, Joey Porter in terms of hatred uh, would be Heinz Ward. That's the only one. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, I guess, but it's a different sort of thing. But Heinz Ward, because he would smile as he would take a shot over the middle of the field, he would give somebody an elbow and then he'd smile over him. That definitely was that level. But Joey Porter is, I'm telling you, it would be delicious. It would just be delicious. Like to the point where I'm rooting for it. Like I'm genuinely rooting for it to play out that way. That's not true. I still think they should take a wide receiver. I'll take that back immediately. If they're not going to take a wide receiver, that would be a great way for it to go. It's time for us to talk some college hoops. We do this every Tuesday here on GCR. We catch up with our friend from the Washington Post, and you follow him on Twitter at Discourse, D1S Course. He's our buddy, Mr. Patrick Stevens, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Patrick, good morning, my friend. Great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking the time. And thank you so much for having me as always, Glenn. Um, you know, I, I think a couple weeks ago when you and I talked, I probably said something like, I'm not sure that Maryland's going to do anything against a team that has a legitimate post presence this season. And in the last two games, they won a game against a team with a legitimate post presence, and they damn near beat a team on the road that has the best post presence in all of college basketball. What have they done to make themselves less susceptible against teams that have legitimate interior players? Well, for starters, Julian Reese is playing a lot better at the offense. No doubt. Right? Like, I mean, you, you, you look at what he did the other day. I mean, if you're Maryland, okay, Edie, Zach Eady goes and gets his 24-16 and 16 on 10-17 to 17 shooting. But Reese having, Julian Reese having 19 points on 8 of 11, and yeah, there were only three rebounds in there, but I, I think you take that. I think you take that every single time yep. and go, okay, let, let's go try to figure everything else out. And, and frankly, the, the Maryland strategy of, all right, he's going to get his no matter what we do. Um, let's keep everybody else in check. And, and when you look at it, uh, the rest of Purdue shot 10 of 35, including 2 of 13 from 3. Um, and so if you're Maryland, that, that's not a terrible play. And it obviously – you know, Purdue did get off to a great start. They were up by 16 there in the middle of the first half. Um, but Maryland made a game of it. And you throw in the fact that, that they were able to deal with Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan as well as they did. You know, I thought Kevin Willard had an interesting way of looking at it. I think Dickinson finished with, what, 19-10, and 10, was it, or 19-9? and 9, But he hit three threes. And so if you're Maryland and you go, well, if his interior damage is 10 points and nine rebounds, that's fair. And they have, you, you take that, right? Like you just simply take that. So uh, I think one thing that, that definitely helped uh, the other day is, yeah, they had some foul trouble. Obviously, early Reese had two fouls, and Kalen Swanton Roger had three fouls or two fouls. Uh, but overall, they didn't have brutal foul trouble. You look up at the end of the game, and Reese has played 34 minutes, and Hakeem Hart finished with four fouls, and he played 38 minutes, and nobody else had more than two. 
Like that's part of the formula as well is, is keeping those guys on the floor. And some of that too comes down to the fact that, uh, you know, Willard is not going to foul out his own guys just because they get two fouls. So he might, but he's probably not going to just shelve somebody for a half. And he simply can't afford to do it with a guy like Reese this season. So I, I kind of walk away um, from those two games, and, and I feel like the way that they've played, you know, the Michigan game was a 58-59 possession game played in the high 50s to low 60s. The game on Sunday at Purdue was a 58-59 possession game played in the high 50s. That's their formula for winning, just like it was two years ago when they had an underside. Yep. Uh, and if they can do that, they're going to find themselves in a number of games, just, just rock fights. And that's okay, because the truth of the matter is, is that both Purdue and Michigan are overall more talented than them. They certainly have a bigger presence inside than Maryland does. But if you're sitting here looking at the three games that they played, yeah, the first one against Michigan didn't go so well, but they got a split, which was more than it looked like they were going to get at this time last week. And now you think about, well, they gave Purdue a really good run in West Lafayette, and you get them at home, and we've already seen what, what Willard has been able to do improving a team from game one to game two That's against fair. somebody. Sure. There's no reason to think that that won't continue either. These are fair points. And again, I think we've talked a lot about this team does also appears to be a team that, and I know I'm not saying anything that's crazy, they just seem to be a team that's better suited to play at home this season. Like they've, 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 other than the UCLA disaster that we talked about, like other than that, they have been really good at home this year. And I, I know that it's, it's not rocket science. That's kind of part of college basketball, but it does seem to be particularly noticeable for this team. It, it, they, they are they are certainly a home court hero at this point. Yeah. They, they do have the two neutral site victories over over St. Louis and Miami, and they did win at Louisville, which is barely a team at this point. Right. Um, but as long you know, the, the argument, and, and I, I have to be I have to admit, I'm impressed with how Willard has handled things throughout this season after a lot of those losses. Maybe not all of them, but you know, basically going after Tennessee. Well, you know, fought back in the second half. UCLA, this was a schedule loss, and it's on me. Uh, you know, thought that you know, I, I know he thought that the Rutgers game, getting Reese kind of back into the flow of things, was a plus. There felt like they had played reasonably well on offense against Iowa. Certainly have every reason to think think good thoughts after that Purdue game. And he's kept talking about getting home games, getting home games. So at this point, I, I would say that as long as they keep holding serve at home, that you're probably not going to complain too much about much of anything. Now, I do think uh, when we size up the remaining schedule, like the back half of league play, the, the schedule turns in their favor. You know, they still have two Minnesotas. They still have two Nebraskas. They have a Northwestern at home. They have a Penn State at home, even though Penn State's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they get Wisconsin in a really good spot all of a sudden because Wisconsin had to go to Northwestern and play yesterday. And now they got to turn around and play 48 hours later on the road. So there's a, there's a number of things that have worked out here for Maryland. And if they do keep winning home games, I'm not going to sit here and and guarantee you right now that a Maryland team that gets in the barn at at 10 and 10 in the big 10 is an NCAA tournament team, but it's going to be in the conversation for sure. By the way, that's where I wanted to go next. Patrick Stevens is with us here on GCR. I wanted to start talking about what, you know, we, we are deep into January now. What is the picture? What is the totality of the picture for where Maryland is as far as 
the practicality of what they need to do in order to be in the tournament conversation? Well, the best advice I can give them, first of all, is don't lose to Minnesota. Because uh, that's basically like the one team that can really, really hurt you uh, in, in, in any single game. Just because they, they've been, uh, you know, their profile just overall isn't very good. But right now, they're a borderline tournament team. I mean, I think you could argue them in or out. I think their overall metrics suggest that they are right on the line. Uh, the, the lack of victories away from home is a bit of a concern. Um, but there's nothing that you look at on their profile and go, gosh, this team doesn't belong in the tournament. I mean, what's the worst thing that they've done this year? It's it, Arguably, the worst thing they've done is, is lose at Michigan. And besides that, I mean, that that, that – on paper, that's yeah. probably the worst thing that they've done this year. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and you're not going to sit there and go, oh, gosh, that's a dreadful loss. No. Um, obviously, the way it unfolded was dreadful. But the actual the actual result, whether you lose to Michigan by 5 or by 35, you know, no, no one's really thinking twice about that. So if you're Maryland, the best thing you could do is, is avoid truly, truly silly losses. And there's only a couple of those they can really take. The Minnesota games. And I would argue Nebraska at home on Saturday is not a game you want to lose either. Uh, but if, if they could just keep notching decent victories, and the thing is, is that, you know, you look at the Big Ten, and I think there's one really, really, really good team in the Big Ten in Purdue. And then everybody else, and I would elevate Rutgers above the rest of that tier because of how good they are defensively. Uh, but just about everybody else in that league besides Nebraska and Minnesota is an opportunity to get at least a somewhat useful victory. Uh, I don't know if any of those teams have the goods to make a run to the second weekend of the tournament besides, you know, Purdue and, and maybe Rutgers with that, with that defense. But there's a lot of good teams, not a lot of not great teams, but a lot of just a plethora of good teams, which means just about every time out is an opportunity to help yourself in the eyes of the committee. He is Patrick Stevens. He's with us here on GCR. Patrick, let's uh, come back locally. And I, since, since the last time you and I talked, it's been – mostly much of the same for like Towson and UMBC. They're not the best teams in their leagues, but they're winning games and putting themselves in position to have a chance. Yeah. Uh, Towson, since we talked last week, went down and swept North Carolina, A&T and Elon uh, down in North Carolina. Uh, the Elon game, uh, they were up 10 with, I think about seven or eight to play. And then things got perilously close for them before they held on. You know, Cam Holden's back, obviously. He's been back for a few games. They've won four in a row and six out of seven since the Charleston loss on New Year's Eve. Uh, if, if you're Towson, I think we've talked about this before, like this weekend kind of showed that even if they're not at their best, they're, they're still going to pile up a fair number of victories. Right. And right now, if that conference tournament started, they'd be the number two seed. They've, they've beaten the other two teams that they're tied with, Hoster and Drexel. They'd be the two seed behind Charleston. And at the end of the day, you know, for them – the, the two things that you would like if you're Towson is, is one, to be a top-four seed, so you only have to win three games rather than four, uh, and two, to be on the other half of the bracket from Charleston and just hope that uh, uh, somebody else happens to knock them out along the way. Uh, I think uh, the other thing you're out, wondering we, if you're Towson. As you and I saw, they were very competitive with Charleston at home a few weeks ago. They were. Right? They, like, they were. But that's, I'm just saying, that's a good sure, team. No and if question. You can give, if you can give somebody else the opportunity to, to deal with them and you don't have to face them in the semis yes. and have the emotional high of that and have to reload the musket the next day, 
that's probably for the best. Agreed. But I, I agree. I'm not sitting here saying Towson can't beat Charleston. Uh, I, I just I just think that it is a more manageable path if you don't have to deal with them, um, if you can avoid it. So that that's the deal with Towson. It, it's kind of the status quo. I mean, I, I hate to say it. I'm going to go see them on uh, on Thursday against Northeastern. But it, it feels like, as you just kind of look through the, the rest of the schedule up until that last weekend when they go to Charleston and UNC Wilmington, I mean, I see a lot of games that they should win. Uh, you know, I think the trip to Hofstra will be much more of a challenge than the home game was. Uh, but I see a lot of victories on the horizon for Towson going into that final weekend. And, and so, you know, maybe they get Jason Gibson back. I know from talking to Pat Scary after the Hofstra game, he, he's not – He's not interested in, in, in making excuses. It's like, we got what we got. We got enough. And I, I think that ultimately, uh, you know, they, they do so long as those top guys all play well, whether it's a, a Nick Timberlake who had a great week, Cam Holden, Charles Thompson, and they're obviously getting some good mileage out of Nigel Russell, uh, and Siku Silla also has been playing a little bit more late. Uh, as for UMBC, split the week against UMass Lowell in New Hampshire. Um, and right now, that, that, that America East is, is kind of a mess. You know, UMass Lowell's a half game up on Vermont, UMBC, and Binghamton. And so, you know, typically we've kind of thought of that league as, well, can you beat Vermont? And, and already a couple teams have beaten Vermont. Uh, so that, uh, that, that league race is more interesting than it, than it typically has been over the last seven or eight years or so. So, you know, I, I certainly look forward to getting the chance to see UMBC when Lowell comes back to town next month. Uh, and right now, they, they're 4-2 and two in the league, and they go to NJIT in Vermont, and that'll bring them to the midpoint of league play. You know, at this point, if you're UMBC, you're in good shape to end up with a home game in the conference tournament. Since the loss to Vermont, they've scored at least 75 points in every game. I think we know the deal with UMBC at this point. The offense is really good. If they can get the defense to improve even a little bit, it's going to give them a fighting chance uh, in that conference come March. And then I, I I don't know that you and I have ever talked about UMES basketball, if I'm being totally honest with you. But this coming Monday, UMES comes to Morgan State, and it feels like that's sort of shaping up to be significant in the MEAC. You, if you do the tiebreakers right now, the number one seed in the MEAC tournament right now would be Merrill East for sure. Uh, they are tied for first in the conference with Howard and Morgan State. They beat Howard uh, early in league play. Uh, they have yet to play Morgan State. Uh, but they, they have sat here, they've won eight out of nine games uh, since, uh, since they had a, a week where they went to Liberty, George Mason, and Duke uh, and lost three in a row in, in like a nine-day span or so. Uh, and since then, yeah, there's... There's a couple non-D1s in there, and you can just go, okay, whatever. It's not a big deal to, to beat that team. But they've won at Temple. Uh, they, they just swept South Carolina State and NC Central. They won the kind of slugfest uh, at NC Central that's really, really hard to, to come away with. You know, they won a high-scoring game against Howard. Uh, Eastern Shore's defense is actually pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that like that it would be elite in a high high major conference or something like that. But they defend the heck out of you. They play so hard, and they've got a fair number of older guys on that team uh, that have been there basically since the since Coach Jason Crafton got there. You know, you've got you know Zion Styles and Kevon Voiles and Nathaniel Pollard and Deshaun Deshaun Phillip is really one of the, the big figures on that team. Offensively, they're not great, um, but. 
they can overcome that. They, you know, sort of think of them as a little bit of a kind of like a Rutgers in some way. Okay, uh, a team that is going is going to win on defense, and they force a ton of turnovers in league play. And so they are a fun, fun team to watch. Uh, at the very least, you know they're going to play really hard. And they get both Coppin and Morgan this week. Coppin down in Princess Anne on Saturday, and then Morgan come or comes up to Morgan Monday night uh, in a game that could well. Given those matchups, you know, they both both Morgan and uh, Eastern Shore are playing teams that are one and four in the league. That could be first place stake in the MEAC come next Monday night. What a world. What a world we're living in. So it uh, might be a good time for me to make a, my first MEAC Monday appearance of the season. Maybe I come join you over there. Are, are, is that in your plans for Monday night? It's... I'm not sure yet. I haven't seen Coppin since before Christmas. Okay, all right. Uh, and all they're, right. Home, they're home that night, too, but... You know, there you kind of size that up and think that's a that's a pretty good matchup right there. Um, and I saw Morgan last night; and they played really really well. Got some tough news. It looks like Malik Miller's out for the year with a knee injury. Mm. He was undergoing an MRI, but he had a he had a knee injury on Saturday against Howard, and he is a, mm. just a, an amazing rebounder and an excellent player. Uh, and their response to losing him and, and getting hammered by Howard was really impressive last night, scoring the first fourteen points and. Holt not, never trailing against Norfolk State. Uh, Will Thomas with a career-high 27 points and a career-high 11 rebounds in that one, really kind of taking up the slack a bit uh, for the loss of Malik Miller. And so Morgan State also playing really, really well at this point. Uh, and so some interesting MEAC Monday happenings in these parts time for this for, season. Time for our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? Patrick, I combed over the Hall of Fame ballot um, and found out there are only three names on the list that you we've never had in our game. So I pulled all three of them okay. for this week. I will, okay. I will acknowledge none of them have gotten even a single vote in Hall of Fame balloting. <laughs> we are pulling from the bottom of the list. They're all tricky, but I'm just let's just knock them okay. out. Okay. The first one is let's a, just do the let's do the theme let's do the theme day okay correct uh, the first one is a reliever two time all star a rookie of the year and twice finished in the top twenty five of MVP balloting it's Houston Street four teams four teams for Houston Street are Oakland yes he was a Padre Most I believe certainly was yes he was an Angel I believe at the end for three seasons indeed uh, four seasons it, in fact. And, Am, and I, am I remembering him as a Rocky? I mean, if you got if you went four for four on Houston Street, I, my God, <laughs> like, that is a hell of a place to start. Uh, the next one, uh, four teams as well. Only an All Star once was a Gold Glove Award winner one time. Uh, four teams for Bronson Arroyo. Bronson Arroyo was definitely a Red Sox. Yep, was definitely a Red. Those those are the big ones, obviously. I feel like he was a pirate at the very beginning in fact for three seasons and i had forgotten about that entirely and then he spent one year in 2014 somewhere um i'm feeling like this is one of those nl west trips so like am i am i thinking colorado here as well oh my god so close so was it arizona 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 was was the stop and the last, that, I mean, I do. In, in fairness, oh, in fairness to me, that was the other team that I had. I'm, I have no doubt. It's three point seven five points for that one. And then the last one, also just an All Star once. Four teams for Mike Napoli. Mike Napoli was definitely in Cleveland. Yes, he was. That was the the shortest tenure of his career. Okay, he was definitely in Boston. Most certainly for three years. 
He was definitely in Texas. For four years, and then the longest stop of his career, actually, at the beginning. Really? Of, I'm, for, yes. I am, I am forgetting Mike Napoli's longest stop. Five years at the beginning of his career, from 06 to 2010. You know, it's funny. I don't, I don't think I know that one. Um, let me sort of scan my brain here to think if I can come up with uh, a site for Mike Napoli early in his career. Gosh, um, I, I can't, even, I can't even give you anything here. I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I gotta what, be honest. What it's is, it's funny. I, I, I didn't re- I didn't remember it either for what it's worth I didn't remember yeah it um was he uh was he was he in Atlanta no it was the Angels was Mike Napoli for okay. five years at the beginning of his career but pretty freaking good on those three uh what else is on the docket for this week my friends well I'm gonna catch Georgetown and DePaul oof, tonight it's oof. almost now or never time for the Hoyas oof. um as they have lost 29 consecutive Big East uh, conference games. Tomorrow, Maryland and Wisconsin, Towson and Northeastern on Saturday or on Thursday, and then Saturday. Uh, haven't quite fine-tuned the schedule, but it's almost certainly going to include Maryland and Nebraska, and then Sunday, Mason and St. Joe's. So staying busy, and obviously a Miac Monday game in Baltimore uh, to close things out. At Discourse on Twitter, D1S Course, and of course his stuff in the Washington Post as always, and. I believe next week he's actually going to be joining us here in studio as I think we're going to be locking down our college lacrosse preview show for uh, next week and having the area coaches join us. I think we're going to be doing that on, on Tuesday, in fact, is the plan. Okay. Uh, I'm, working, I'm working on finalizing that, but got in touch with some folks, and I think the Tuesday is going to work for us to pull that off. So we will look forward to that. Uh, indeed, as believe it or not, we are... On the, is anybody playing this weekend, or is it all starting the following? No, week? no. The first the first play date for anybody is uh, the fourth of February. Okay. That's Saturday. All right. But my so, se- my season, believe, by the way. I believe locally, locally Hopkins plays that day on okay. the fourth, and Maryland plays that day on the fourth, and Navy plays on the fourth. But I don't think we have anybody else in the area playing those that weekend. Okay. I think Towson, UMBC. Loyola all open up a little bit later. Yeah, Loyola with a nice easy one to start the season. My first game of the year is Loyola Maryland. Not uh, not a bad way to start the season for me. Uh, that'll be a that, boy. That's a, quite a test for Loyola at this point. All right, uh, at discourse as I said, Patrick Stevens. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in here next week. Thank you, my friends. Awesome, Glenn. Take care. Patrick Stevens joining us as he does every Tuesday here on GCR. And speaking of UMBC basketball, as we mentioned. They're on the road for a couple games this week before the men get back home next week. You want to go ahead and get your tickets right now to spend game day at the peak on February 1st against Binghamton. Go to UMBCRetrievers.com in order to get your tickets. And the UMBC women are home for a pair of games this week on Wednesday night. They take on NJIT on Saturday afternoon. They host Vermont. You can get those tickets as well. UMBCRetrievers.com. Speaking of college basketball, Cam Spencer is going to join us in a few minutes from Rutgers. Of course, former Loyola Greyhound and former Boys Latin star. Also, uh, going to get to some of your responses this morning to uh, Joel Corey's conversation. Uh, a bunch of you guys have been chiming in on YouTube and Twitter. I'll get to some of those here in a minute. It is GCR. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. 
Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license, and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at PressBoxOnline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest. And I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley caught up with Matt Blood. Of course, Orioles Director of Player Development, a really good conversation about their young players and the direction they're headed in. If you missed it, you can find it right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, pressboxonline.com slash video, or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Um, from John Little Rock, in any world that Richardson is drafted by the Ravens or any team is laughable. Dude is horrendous. It's Anthony Richardson that we're talking I'm not. I'm not, just not even going there. Also, is the, praying the Ravens stay away from hiring Kellen Moore as OC. He's terrible. And if it comes down to Lamar Jackson only signing for a fully guaranteed contract and the Ravens refusing, then I can see them trading him and starting over. That's definitely a possibility. I, I guess my point would be, as insane as I think that is, I would do that before I'd be talking about a bridge quarter. Like, I, I, I have to start with this. There's no scenario where I can justify saying we can't go fully guaranteed. You can't get me to say, I understand that. I wrote a column before the season about I understood why they were dragging their feet. It's easier to do it if somebody else does it too. It's easier for the Ravens. Joe Corey brought up Russell Wilson. If the Broncos had gone fully guaranteed on Russell Wilson after 
the Browns have gone fully guaranteed on Deshaun Watson, then it's easier for the Ravens to say, what, are you going to be mad at us? It's not our fault. I understood the Ravens saying, we're going to drag our feet on this one a little bit because we're talking about a sea change. We're talking about, you know, a, a critical moment in the, the history of football, and we just don't, we want to slow it down a little bit. So I was defensive of the idea of dragging your feet. You didn't, you weren't prepared for the Browns to do what they did with Deshaun Watson that kind of screwed up the whole conversation, and now where do we go from here? Okay, so slow it down. Let's see. But I will never defend the Ravens moving on from Lamar Jackson because of the words fully guaranteed. Never. I'll never say I understand that. And anyone who suggests that it's crazy for the Ravens to do that, and I mean this, I, I can respect you as a person, but I mean this sincerely, you're full of S. You're just saying stuff. It's not crazy to give a fully guaranteed contract to your quarterback because you are giving a fully guaranteed contract to your quarterback. You're just not saying it's fully guaranteed. We're not, we, you have to be trying to avoid facts in order to not recognize this. You know every quarterback has gotten their money and then some. As Joe Corey pointed out, they don't finish the contract because they're given more money. It's semantics that we're fighting about that the deal is, quote, fully guaranteed versus just us knowing it's going to be fully guaranteed because you play the quarterback position. I will not waver from this. The Ravens screwing this up, fumbling Lamar Jackson, over the words fully guaranteed is inexcusable. It's indefensible. If it's something else, as I brought up before, if we learn a year down the road that Lamar Jackson went to them and said, guys, I'm just not signing here. I want to be somewhere else. Or... My relationship with so-and-so is if we find out in the future that it's not that, it's something else, we can talk. But we have no reason to believe that. If they've decided they'll never do it for whatever reason, they're not going to be a franchise that gives out a fully guaranteed contract then as unacceptable as I find it, what's the next step? To your point, John, yes, I would be more inclined to draft a quarterback than I would be to F around with a bridge quarterback. I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that game. Let's see if we can get by with this guy. Those guys are good enough typically to be good enough. Sometimes. Not even all of them. They're good enough to win enough games to prevent you from being able to draft your next quarterback. 
if you're moving on from Lamar Jackson, you're trading him to a team that is a very high pick that you're using to try to find your rock star quarterback and praying you get it right. Well, hey, the last time they found it with a 30-second pick. You're right. And the Eagles found Jalen Hurts after that. It's not like you can't find a rock star quarterback with a lower pick. But I'm going to go ahead and improve my chances. I know Patrick Mahomes wasn't a top 10 pick, but he was a top 20 pick. How's Joe Burrow worked out? That looked like a pretty good way of using I mean, like, I, I'm going, I'm improving my odds. I'm not messing around with a bridge quarterback. And I know Jonas brought up yesterday, well, what if they just don't like this year's crop of quarterbacks and they just prefer next year's crop of quarterbacks and they try to line things up that way? Like, you can, I guess, like, I guess you can try to, again, you're playing the game where you're just holding on to Lamar Jackson for another year. What if he does go and win the Super Bowl? Then, like, now what? Just give him the freaking money, man. <laughs> like, just get over yourself on the fully guaranteed. Again, and, and I'll, I'll throw in the one other caveat. Unless medically you've reached a point where you are convinced that there is something more significant, that there is a legitimate injury problem that is going to be an issue for the rest of his career. That's the other caveat that I'll throw in on that, that we couldn't possibly know, right? Like, nobody's going to come out and say that because it would hurt his trade value, and it, Lamar Jackson is certainly not going to admit to it openly. Unless you know, again, either that Lamar Jackson won't sign or that there is a true medical reason why you can't... Not the, well, he hasn't played 17 games the last two seasons. Stop that. That's nonsense. But if there's something that's legitimately... He's going to be dealing with it for the rest of his career that you can see medically, well then, yeah, obviously that would be a reason to not do it. Short of those two things, no excuse. Uh, my guy, Jama, they have around $33 million next season after all bonuses were paid. Yes, this is the silly thing that people do where they're like, well, if you sign Lamar, then you'll never be able to have anybody else. Stop. Stop. Come on. Come on. We're not. These things aren't hard. I I know I joke about how I'm a dumb guy, and everybody's like, dude, you're not that dumb. Like, it's part of my shtick, right? Like, I'm not that dumb. I know that. But I also know I ain't a genius. <laughs> and I can figure out how this math works. There's a Google. And I get it. Like, my wife couldn't figure out this morning where she could... We're really struggling with switching over to, like, the a world with no cable. My wife... Has never been in this world before, Mrs. Clark. God bless her. She has things that she's wonderful at, but change is not something that's, that, that goes well for her. And so the idea of trying to operate off a fire stick and figuring out where to find, well, what if I want to watch this movie? Well, you can just search for the movie. You don't have to go search every app and see if it's on that app. She was like, well, Netflix didn't have, I swear to God, it was the Drew Barrymore movie ever after that she wanted to view. Don't ask me why. I don't, maybe because we were down at Disney and there was a Cinderella thing going on. I don't know. But she was thinking about Ever After with Drew Barrymore. And she's like, it's not on Netflix. I'm like, okay, well, it's probably on something else. She's like, well, I looked on Netflix and I looked on Disney. And I'm like, just, you can search the homepage and it'll tell you where to find it. It'll take you to the app. And she was very struggling with that. My point being, 
if Mrs. Clark can figure out how to watch movies, you can figure out how to look up and see what a team's cap situation looks like. You can do that. You don't need me to be your Google. You can be Google. We all get our own. Just go to Google. We can do this. Hell, you probably don't even have to go to Google. If you just put it in your search bar, it'll take you to Google for you. And you can find out why the notion of the Ravens giving big money to Lamar Jackson does not mean that they would suddenly be screwed and no longer be able to sign any players. That's not true. And as Joel Corey pointed out, and as anybody with a brain could figure out, they would obviously be far better off signing Lamar Jackson now than they would be going into next season with him on a franchise tag that would suck up everything in a cap hit. That I, I know uh, Jonas brought it up yesterday. If you're trying to go out and get a wide receiver, not that, not that there's a big money wide re- free agent wide receiver. <sighs> That's the problem. Like, you typically have to trade for those guys. But still, like, even if you're considering doing that. Seems like Stephon Diggs wants out of Buffalo. I don't I don't believe that <laughs> yeah, either. I like, I, By the way, that whole thing, and don't get me wrong, I would still be happy with <laughs> Stephon Diggs. Don't get me wrong. Um, this is, like, we, we overreact to. Stephon Diggs is pissed off about losing. If I'm in Buffalo, good. And I saw his tweets yesterday. Like, I thought he handled it perfectly. You want me to be okay with this? You just want me to be cool about the fact that we just put up 10 points in a playoff game at home? You want me to be like, ah, gee shucks, good luck. Good, I'm glad he's pissed off if I'm a Buffalo fan. But yes, for some reason, he's decided he wants out. (laughs) Let's talk. Let's have all the conversations. Um, but no, there's no doing. Doing a deal would be the best thing the Ravens could do in order to put them set themselves up cap wise for. Sorry, my brain's all over the place for trying to acquire a wide receiver in some form or fashion. All right, uh, continue to get to more of your thoughts throughout the course of the program. But we had to do this a little bit earlier on. By the way, today's show is also brought to you by this print issue of PressBox, which is available right now. I'm pointing it at Charles. Like, Charles is the camera. <laughs> like, Charles, just describe it to people because I'm not holding it to the camera. It is the best of 2022 issue of Press Box with our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, Adley Rutschman, on the cover. You can go get it for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box, or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Had to do this a little bit earlier because of his schedule this week, but it's, uh, oh, it's great to catch up with uh, former Boys Latin and Loyola star Cam Spencer here on GCR. Well, it's great to catch up now here on GCR with a young man that I got to see play a lot over the last couple of years at Loyola. He has moved up to the Big Ten, and he has continued to kill it this season, averaging 13.6 points per game. He frustrated Maryland fans a couple weeks ago. It is what it is. Of course, hit a huge shot to knock off Purdue a couple of weeks back. He is the pride of boys Latin. Cam Spencer is with us now here on GCR. Cam, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thank you for having me. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, Cam, it's it's awesome. I've really enjoyed watching you play now for a few years. But getting to see you do this, um, going to the Big Ten, um, and, and proving to everyone what you're capable of doing against the highest level of competition. How much has it meant to you? How important was it for you to show everyone, dude, I, I can be a hell of a player no matter who's on the other side of the floor? Yeah. Um, you know, when I 
first made the transfer to Rutgers, they just they made it so easy for me and in the transition. And um, you know, part of the challenge was playing in, in the Big Ten, which I think is one of the best conferences in the country. So um, you know, just I want to have high goals for myself as a basketball player. So I want to uh, challenge myself against the best and. Coming to Rutgers allowed me to do that. When when did you know that this was something that you wanted to do, Cam? Like, were you were you would you have preferred to have been at this level all along? Was it always a goal for you to try to get to the highest level of college basketball? Uh, no, you know I enjoyed my time and was so appreciative of the opportunity that Loyola gave me to to start off my college career. Um, but you know with after that COVID year, when we got the fifth year of extra eligibility, I, I kind of started to think about it. And, uh, you know, after our season ended last year, that's when I um, really thought about making the switch to, to transfer some, to somewhere like Rutgers. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with my decision. And, uh, you know, Coach Pikeville gave me the opportunity. And I'm just so, so appreciative of everything that he's done for me. It's working out okay for you, obviously. The, um, the obvious parallel that, that folks will make, of course, is uh, you know the situation with your brother, right, where he goes and he proves everybody and says, I can play in the Big Ten and I can make an impact. Um, how much did you talk to him about that as you were going through your own decision-making process and knowing how important it was for him to prove to everybody, I can play at the highest level of this sport? Yeah, he was a big part of it. Um you know, he obviously wanted wanted me to challenge myself, and uh, you know, I got to see him have a great year at Northwestern and see what really the Big Ten was about. And um, I thought he had a great year there, and just uh, he kind of gave me all the inside um, news, I guess, into what that level was like. And you know, I, I compete against him in the summertime and right. stuff, and he really uh, pushed me to kind of take on that challenge. And um, just very happy that I did. You you guys are intense dudes. Like I'm wondering what it's like when you guys get together in the summer because I know the intensity that you bring to a floor when you guys are going up against each other. Like how long does it take before I don't know the the first maybe punch is thrown during the course of like battling against each other? Um, probably after the first possession or two. Honestly, <laughs> we're uh, we're pretty competitive, so. Um, we definitely we hate losing, but we we hate losing to each other even more. So, um, you know, I've gotten so much better as a player just just having him as an older brother and um, competing against him and him pushing me. And um, you know, I'm just very thankful that I've had him in my life to to get me better as a basketball player and a, as a great older brother. Uh, I, I, that is the least surprising thing that I've ever heard. Cam Spencer <laughs> is with us here on GCR. Um, Cam, where does that come from for you? Um, I've had I've had a few conversations with your mom over the years. Obviously, I've had a ton of conversations with your brother, but that intensity, that passion that you have for playing basketball, where, where does it come from? When did you first start sort of taking on that 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 I don't want to say persona because I know it's who you are, but that just really intense level that you bring to the court? Yeah, I mean it. Uh... I think we were kind of born with it, but, you know, we have two competitive parents that um, pushed us to kind of start off in every sport growing up, and, and that was kind of the start of it was, you know, playing every sport that we could and seeing which ones we like. But I think we've always just had a passion for winning, and um, we just hate losing so much that um, we want to do anything we can to prevent it. So uh, just we're really just a competitive family, and uh, we love sports at our, at our heart. When did you know basketball was for you? Um, 
probably like sophomore year of high school or so, I would say. Okay. Um, I just, you know, I played lacrosse and uh, loved lacrosse, just kind of had the first love for basketball and um, knew that I wanted to, that, that I wanted to play in college um, and take that challenge on. So that was really the, the time that I made the choice to, to try to, commit to basketball are you the type that like keeps the chip on your shoulder like you're looking for somebody almost to say something about you like you're looking to maybe get a side eye in the gym before the game and (laughs) is is this really the kid that i'm going up against tonight like are you are you looking for something like that before you get ready to play uh i wouldn't necessarily say i'm looking for it but i I think i i have always played with the chip on my shoulder just because um i've kind of been a late bloomer and um you know they're always people that don't believe in you and you want to uh prove them wrong so i just i try to take the chip on my shoulder and and take it to the court every day that i play we can tell uh it it works quite well by the way we can see that thank you uh cam the experience being at rutgers uh, i guess just tell me why has it worked so seamlessly for you we know part of it is you're a talented basketball player like we understand that but that doesn't mean that it's going to work so easily for everyone. Why has it been so seamless for you in making this transition? You know, I think just because of uh, Rutgers and Coach Michael, like it's just uh, a match made in heaven. Like we're we're very similar in the blue collared aspect, I guess. We're a lot of blue collared guys at Rutgers, so coming into the program, I I saw it right away. Um, just kind of the guys that Coach Michael recruits are guys with the underdog mentality and competitive dudes that want to win and I just felt like that uh couldn't fit me any better so um you know I'm just very thankful for the opportunity that coach Feichel gave to me to to play here you obviously I'm, I can I, I don't know if it, we go back to the Purdue game I am sure that as a kid you enacted a lot of like last second and and game winning scenes and look we've seen you hit game winning shots already in your career, but maybe nothing quite like that. Um, that moment, what it meant to you, and maybe how did it compare to the way that I'm sure you imagined something like that in a driveway or somewhere in your life growing up? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was just happy that we won the game. Um, you know, every every possession matters in a game like that, but, um, you know, Paul made a great pass to me, and I just had to be confident and knock it down. But, you know, I think it really set the stage for us as a team that we can go to a place like Purdue, which is a tough place to play yeah. as the number one team and deservedly so. Um, but I think it just gave us a lot of confidence going forward that we could get a win like that on, on the road and, and take that with us. Yeah, it's seriously undefeated at the time. I mean, all of all of the above. Are Do you ever get nervous, like, at all? Is there ever a moment for you? You seem so calm and cold-blooded. Like, is there anything in the world that, like, brings you even an ounce of, of nervousness whatsoever? No. I mean, to be honest, I, uh, you know, that's kind of why I try to work my hardest, just so that I can um, just have the trust to go out there and leave it on the line every night and, be okay with the results. I understand. I understand entirely. I, I completely get it. Just another minute or two here with Cam Spencer, of course, now at Rutgers after some great seasons at Loyola and before that, Boys Latin here in Baltimore. Um, Cam, what did you know those years at Loyola? Man, we think about you know how loaded those teams were, and obviously we're seeing you know what Santi's doing now in the NBA and sort of killing it. What did you most take from that experience and being at Loyola and playing here the last couple of seasons that maybe most helped you for not only making this jump, but 
obviously a, another jump that I have no doubt you're hoping to make here in the future and going pro. Yeah. Um, to be honest, when I first got there, I, we had some older guys that worked pretty hard. Um, and I, I kind of got to learn under them what, what college basketball was all about. Um, it's a different game completely from high school. So it was uh, an adjustment at first, and you, you got to learn under those guys. And I'm appreciative of, of the teammates that I had at Loyola, and uh, the coaches helped me tremendously build as a player. Um, so just very thankful to all those guys and all my experiences to, to get to where I am right now. No, I mean, there's it's, it's awesome to see how it's worked out for you. And I bring it up, like, I – I know your brother's still pushing for it. How much does that still drive you? Like the idea that I, I'm going to prove people wrong so much so that I'm going to put a jersey on, I'm going to play in the NBA at some point. Yeah, um, it's a tremendous motivator. I mean, that's that's the end goal. Is you know that's the highest level of basketball in the world. So um, to say that you you've reached it there is is a goal of mine. I know it's a goal of Pat's, and um, he's very close. So I'm rooting rooting like heck for him and. Uh, I, I believe in him, so I think I think he'll do it. But uh, that's definitely a motivator for us. I have no doubt that's the case. He is Cam Spencer, of course. Um, you know, uh, it's it's a shame we didn't get this to schedule to work out to get a game with you back here in College Park this season. I'm sure you had a few folks that traveled up to uh, to see you guys really put it to Maryland a couple weeks ago. Um, and what a crazy atmosphere that is uh, up there at the rack. I know it's an awesome place to play. Cam, uh, what can we plug for you? Social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere. Where can uh, folks be giving you a follow? Um, I I actually don't have any social oh, media. Oh, good so for you. Sorry to, uh, oh man, sorry to do it, I am so yeah, insanely no, no jealous. For me. What what was it? Were you always that way? Did you ever have social and just got got rid of it, or was it just something you were never interested in? Yeah, I've, I've never had it. Um, never really been interested in it. I think uh, if something's that important, then. It'll find me, but uh, <laughs> just focus on basketball. So, dude, but, I'm, uh, I'm insanely jealous. I'm so insanely jealous of being <laughs> able to stay away from the cesspool that is social media. Good for you, my friend. Um, Thank hey, you. Hey, Cam, it's awesome to watch you thrive. Um, it's it's a lot of fun to watch you play this game, man. Appreciate it. I uh, wish you the best of luck as the season moves forward and towards the NCAA tournament. Thank you a few mi- for taking a few minutes for us this morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Cam Spencer with us here on GCR. Um, hell of a competitor, man. I don't know if you ever, if you guys have never watched him or never watched his brother play. Holy crap, those guys! Like when he said, you know, it took a couple of seconds before it would do, like a first punch would be thrown when they'd be going up against each other. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. Like those dudes are nuts. Like they are absolutely insane. But damn, they are uh, really talented. Especially like, given we're talking about a you know a, a six. Uh, what is uh, Cam's? What six three? Maybe six. They might list him at six four, but he's probably more like six three. You know, unassuming white guy shows up. You're like, uh, okay, like this guy really? And L- then list him at six four. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I, th- I said. They probably list him at six four, but let's be honest, he's really more like six three. Um, and that dude is a terror, man. Like he is a terror. Um, not. I'm not surprised by the success that he's found at Rutgers. I'm surprised by how good they are. I'm not su- surprised by the success that he has found at Rutgers. Like, Pat obviously found a lot of success at Northwestern, but they weren't good. I'm I'm stunned by how good. I know Rutgers has been competitive, but they've been really good this season, as Patrick referenced a little while ago. So good for Cam Spencer. Appreciate him taking the time for us this morning. 
It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show, as always, brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Keep trying to tell you it's championship week. How about we win some money, right? What are we doing? Let's go win some damn money this weekend. And there are great offers available for you for championship weekend at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Sign up with BetMGM, bet 10 bucks, and automatically get $200 in additional free bets. Get this promo. What you want to come say? You can come say hello, John Colson. Get the. Oh, you got a new offer to add to the literally, table. What? What else? What else is on the table? This is offer. the most worshipful grandmaster, John Colson, is with the, us. Just got a new offer as you were starting to do that. I got an email. Try, you um, got You got to try to like bring yourself a little bit lower to the microphone. There you go. Yeah. Um, oh God. Listen to the baritone go. in that man's voice. <laughs> so, uh, new offer yes. from. From let me get this right from draft oh. from DraftKings. Okay, bet five dollars on the Chiefs Bengals game, the AFC Championship yes. game. Yes, and if either quarterback passes for more than one yard, oh boy, you win one hundred and fifty bucks. Now, is this for new sub- new new people? So, if you have not new. signed up with DraftKings before, if you sign up, you bet five bucks. Uh-huh. If either quarterback passes for more than one yard, you win one hundred and fifty. In money or in free in bets? Money. In money. In money. So they're wow. giving you $150 in cash, in cash, essentially. One yard. One yard. More than one yard. More than one yard. So if, if, if they throw for a one-yard pass and get hurt on the first play, you're screwed. But then so you got the other quarterback. That's true. You have to have both of them throw for exactly one yard and then both get hurt. Yeah, Or and not so, throw it all. Just get hurt. A lot going on here. A lot going. <laughs> By the way, look at that screen in the back. Who did that? Whose idea was this? I did that. Well, this will be great when we do our lacrosse show next week. We have coaches stop by to have that screen in the back. That's well. Now, now it goes to something else. We got to figure out how to leave. Oh, that looks good too. You know what? I take it back. Look at you. I know. <laughs> Look at you thinking this thing out. Some nice press box images on the screen in the background. Those uh, are the only two I could find. Well, that there's still two good ones. But I, I can show you how to set it up to add any images up there you want. I, I well, I'm, I, I'm good right. with these images. So you these, may want to put something special up there. Look for fine a wrestling me. show. Or um, all right, so that's DraftKings. Draft Go sign Kings. up right now. $5. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Right, so let's make that abundantly clear. You have to go to that link. You, you Don't ask me for a code. There is no Correct. code. Click Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers. DraftKings link. There's a DraftKings link there, and if you sign up for the first time, $5. Make a $5 bet. Any bet. Or just, it'll $5 just bet on, on the them throwing, Chiefs-Bengals throwing, game. It'll, the bet will be... They throw for more than one yard, then you have 150 bucks, and you can bet the next game. Pretty big deal. <laughs> or do whatever pretty you want to do Pretty big it. deal. Yeah. I would yeah, go sign cool. up for that right now if well, I were you. Are going to sign up for that? Uh, well, Charles is a uh, college athlete, so we are not going to we are not going to have Charles get involved with that whatsoever, my friend. And I don't know if Griffin's big brother, my, uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been having issues with. Yeah, tell your mom. There you go. There you go. That she can get involved. Yeah, with I've been having issues setting up my DraftKings, so I got to make sure I set that up this week because I guess I, I would get the new offer. If I you've never actually yeah, signed up before, yeah, so you're in. Unfortunately, your pal Glenn has signed up for DraftKings. <laughs> And so you still better than getting one yard. So Mrs. you don't want the DraftKings NIL deal then? Is that what? John, <laughs> no. he can't do it. Stop it. I ain't even on that scale of an athlete. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just doing my D3 thing You're going to get us here. in trouble. Stop it. <laughs> Leave it alone. <laughs> Mrs. Clark could sign up, though. She oh. could sign up for DraftKings. We could go that route and get $150 free. That would be all right. Okay, all right, yes, you good? Everything, you. everything, everything else good? John was in here during uh, while well, we were replaying Cam Spencer. We were fighting about uh, 
the fact that if you want to we fully fighting. guarantee the contract. It was just a point I didn't think you were making. Well, strongly. I have brought it up before. I just it doesn't it like weeks ago. It, but it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me in as far as being an excuse for why you don't make the. John's point is that a if you do a fully guaranteed deal with a player, you have to put that money into escrow, and that's an awful lot of money for an owner to put into escrow on the sidelines. And <laughs> and that's fine. Like I'm I'm not going to disagree with that premise at all. It still doesn't justify not having Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. It still doesn't justify. I agree with that. Like, I just think it's a point that's worth. It's that's all worth, I can throw it all in the, there. That's part of the. But it, it mix. doesn't make me say like, well, gee, gosh, golly. That, but maybe it's why they're negotiating harder. Who well, knows? yeah, I'm sure. I, by all means, negotiate complete. Com, keep negotiating. I, my my thought continues to be: there's nothing you can say that will justify, short of you know something medically that we don't. Or he refuses to sign. The words "fully guaranteed" will never be the thing that makes me say, "We just can't do that." I w- I would also like to say, is it weird that Lamar Jackson has had hip injuries for the last three years that always seem to nag him in the middle of the season? I mean, like that. I'm not. I'm. I think that's playing football. That's me at the end of the bar. Like I think that's playing football. You end up dealing with things like that. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Over. I just. But he didn't miss any time because of his hip. Correct, but he was on the you know, questionable list. But every times. quarter, Tom looked, Brady has been on he, the questionable he, every week and, of his and career. And he did miss time last last year. year yes, right, correct. So I just wonder if there's something nagging. I, if there is something that they know, I'll keep coming. If they know something that he has a degenerative hip that they have not made public, that would be defensible. Like yeah. I, if and they also couldn't make that public. Correct. I already said yeah. like that we wouldn't know about that. Right. I that would be the reason. I my point entirely is just. And you hear it from people, well, the Ravens aren't foolish enough to give out fully guaranteed. Why do you think that's foolish? Oh, I never said that. Not you. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear that from other people. Yeah, it's silly. What do you think is that's where foolish the going. That's about where the, the words going. fully guaranteed? Yeah, the when the quarterback's going. contract, the, every quarterback gets their money. And more. Every Yes, you go back to them. And the ones that suck get their money and end up on other teams. You it's know, always the way it works. Yeah. Always the way it works. What are we doing here? Why do you think those words are foolish? That's my entire point. There you go. All right. Thank you, John. Bye. Appreciate it. It's John Colson coming in here. Greg Rosenthal joins us next. We will bring this up, but we're going to talk some Australian Open with my buddy from uh, Courts of Thunder. Of course, NFL Network, NFL.com. He's next. Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK holiday racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival Stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting laurelpark.com. 
Com. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kids club for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kids club. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or, if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a a three-and-a-half-star review, too. Back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show also brought to you by... Ooh, you know what? Let me save that one. Um, I tell you what. Today's show is also brought to you by me, Glenn Clark, because it's Glenn Clark Radio. Now, I'll get to you, uh, the rest of these folks. I just don't like to double up and tell you the same things you just heard during the commercial break, and I didn't do my math well on that. You know what? Just a reminder, again, you can pick up this print issue of PressBox right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, or read it all, pressboxonline.com slash of. Adley Rutschman on the cover, our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. It's a sad night for American tennis fans because two players that were really looking like legitimate threats both went out. There are still two American men alive they play tonight. I want to talk some Australian Open. I guess, legally speaking, we'll have to include maybe a football topic or two as well. But he is, of course, my partner from Courts of Thunder, our friend from the NFL Network, around the NFL, NFL.com. He is our buddy Greg Rosenthal, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? I love that you lead with the tennis. You don't even, like put the the idea out there that we're starting football. We know what the people want. This is this is the demand is out there. I got I heard from a lot of people that were very upset that we weren't doing shows during the Australian Open. I we, look, man, you know, Greg's got I, I don't know if you heard football pays the bills in Greg's life. And I took my family to Disney World last week. So it just wasn't Ooh. practical. It just wasn't practical, but um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I can squeeze an episode out of him at some point. We'll see how it goes. I don't, I don't know. I was sad last night because Seb Corda in form feels really legitimate. Not that I think he was going to beat Novak Djokovic or something like that, but feels legitimate like someone that if he's healthy and in form, he is a legitimate threat to at some point in the coming years 
compete to be an American man winning a Grand Slam. So what we saw from Seb Quarter early in this tournament and what we saw in the tournament before that looked like Seb Quarter in form. And then to see it kind of come unglued the way that it did last night just sort of reminded me that like I, I don't know how much we're going to be able to assume that Seb Quarter is always going to be in form. Right. We uh, assume a lot with these young guys when they make a quarterfinal. Remember, Tiafo did now, is that almost five years yeah, ago at the really, Australian right? Open? And, right. And he's had his ups and downs since then. But Seb Corda feels a little different in just that you can see with the strokes that he has, like the game that he has. Uh, to me, he just looks like a top 10 player. But we've also seen, you kind of saw it in that matchup. Um, unless you're a freak, unless you're Carlos Alcarez or you're Rafael Nadal, like, it usually takes uh, some big-time losses in those moments and just physically being able to survive. I think, you know, his opponent last night, Karen Hassanup, the one thing that dude is is just like a truck. And it's like that tennis, unlike every other sport, is a totally different sport in their biggest Grand Slam moments. Uh, and that guy, Kachanov, just seems so strong that, like, he's built for these two-week, five-set tournaments. Yeah, he does, and, and he's made a lot of good runs and won a lot of big matches, and that got that. I think it was sadder, however, the Jesse Pagula thing, because I, I, you and I talked about it. I thought I legitimately believed she was going to win the tournament. I legitimately believed it was time for Jesse Pagula to break through. And look, Vika Azarenka, when she's in form, you know, is about as good as anyone on tour, right? Like, when she's in form, she's a rock star, and she was very much in form last night, but Boy, what a bummer that was for someone that looked like they were ready for their moment. I think she knew it, too. And that's sort of the, man, tennis, and it's, I don't know if you watched that Netflix show, but it's just a reminder, like, it's just the most mental of sports. I think boxing is there, too, but it's just one-on-one. And I think Gula Nushu was the favorite. I mean, it was the first time she got to this part of the tournament, and it was like her and Sabalenka looked like the two best. She would definitely would have been the favorite in this match by a lot, and she's playing someone who is feeling a little freer and like, that's a different position. I couldn't help but uh, compare and contrast her and her, her father's football team. Like I thought she had a better chance to win this tournament and the bills have to win the super bowl, but they both, I think dealt with a similar thing was like, it's hard when you're not like the up and coming person. It's harder when you're expected to win, you know, I, that's, how, that's what champions. Do. I think it's a great point, right? Like when everybody's coming for you now, like when there's ex- yeah, it's a burden, it's a burden. And it's the first time she really felt that. Uh, there are two Americans left. They play tonight, Ben Shelton, Tommy Paul. I, I think the Ben Shelton thing, I'm, I'm not trying to dismiss what he could be as a player. I think right now this is a fluke. Like, I I just don't think he's there at this point. But you and I have talked about Tommy Paul a lot over the last couple of years and how many times we've wanted to believe in him. I don't think he has a prayer of beating Djokovic or Rublev if he wins this match tonight. But I do think if he wins tonight – it's a it's another step towards buying into him as legitimately a player that could be a threat at most slams the rest of the year. Yeah, like the men's game is so deep, it's hard to know, but he's in form right now. He's 24, so it's not like um, he's over the hill or anything. He's a, he's still a young player. That's about when you hit your form. But I think you're dismissing our boy Shelton a little too quickly here, Glenn. Did you watch we, that? We like Wait a, a second. Wait, did you watch the other night? Like Those look like two guys that did not belong playing in this in in the fourth round of a grand slam tournament okay but for your listeners ben shelton is a 20 year old who won the ncaa singles championship in may like last may I get it. he just joined the pro tour uh like six months ago he's, and here he he's is never and he's left had an the incredibly country easy before. Drop. this is the first time he's ever left the country 
not competed in another and, country. The first time he's ever left the United States was to play in this Australian Open. Okay, here's where I'm going to push back and where I'm making a totally irrational um, call here. Here's what he has that none of these other young Americans have. Uh, incredible height and, like, maybe the hardest serve on tour already, but he could actually move. So, like, that right there, a huge lefty serve like that, that's a weapon that's never going to go away. And then the thing that I'm probably too early to say, and we'll see, because it's his, his, like, breakout tournament, is I don't know, man. There's something, like, I think he's got, like, the fangs, for lack of a better word, that he might just, you know, not wilt in those big moments that we've seen, like, almost every big-time tennis player. Like, this dude won the NCAAs. He started out his freshman year. He wasn't even, like, the top four guy on his team. He won the NCAAs, and he's just, like, when you listen to him, I don't know, man. I think he might have that, that factor where he is mentally tough in big moments, which, as you know, in tennis is almost more important than everything else. If you got that and a serve, I don't know. He could beat Tommy Paul, and uh, he could be around a long time. I think he I, will. I think that there's two different conversations that we're having, right? Like, I think Ben Shelton will be a, yeah. a player. I think he will be a factor. I think he will be among top Americans for years to come. Um, he, he might have the highest. I mean, it's early, but he might have the highest ceiling of any of these guys just because of that serve. Like, Fine. Even in that match, he didn't get broken one time. You know, he hasn't. He's n- name me a match that he's won of relevance. Uh, well, the NCAA champion. I mean, the, I the, know. you know, understand I mean, what I'm saying? He, like, he's never beaten anybody. Like, I'm. I just can't. I can't do anything with Ben Shelton until I see him beat someone. And I get it. Like as we point okay. out, Jensen okay. Brooksby's beaten a lot of guys, and he's got nothing to show for it to this point. Like, I'm not suggesting that just doing that alone elevates you to that but a right. world in which i'm buying into a player that's never beaten anyone like at, never beaten All anyone I'm saying is if you want to get ex- if you want to get excited about someone like seeing him like reminds me of when i saw curious for the first time and some of these guys that are that big and just like tennis players are different now and here is i don't know how tall he is what is he six four yeah he's six i'm not four. sure six yeah. five like he's a huge dude with a huge serve that moves so athletically um that to me like that immediately puts him like a little more interesting than almost than basically all these other uh, young American guys. We'll I, be- I, I believe like the, I, I'm not even kidding when I say I think that uh, Zhang is the best win he's ever had in his career. Like I think that's the highest ranked player he's ever defeated. Like maybe. It, I, okay. Like we'll see. I, yeah, we'll see this I, match because I. I think it's a tricky spot for Paul, too. He I knows what an opportunity that. is I, to make a semifinal. I yeah. utterly agree with that point. Like, the, to me, this the story tonight is way more about Tommy Paul than it is. I think, to, to your point, there's a totally a world where Ben Shelton could just win this match because, you know, he could. He absolutely could just win this match. But I think there's a lot of pressure on Tommy Paul because this is not a match he should be losing. He should be at a place in his career where when he has this opportunity to make a first career Grand Slam semifinal, he shouldn't be messing around with it. Like, he should be able to take advantage of that. Um, I hope you're right See, about if I'm that. Djokovic, though, I think Shelton would – not that anyone has much of a chance the way Djokovic looks in this tournament, but you never know. If I was Djokovic – to me, Shelton would be like the one guy I'd be afraid of just because he just had nothing to lose. Maybe he's just too dumb to be afraid of the moment, and he's got a big serve that maybe you can just hold and win some tie breaks. Like, I'm ready to get stupid in my belief. You are really all in <laughs> on Ben Shelton, man. Like, you are going usually. There. Usually, you're that guy. No, I, I just want to have some fun. I don't know. I Look, know this I is hope silly, you're right. but uh, he... I hope you're right. I just... Here's the thing: he was he was a guy a lot of smart people have been saying, you got to watch this guy. You got to watch this guy. This is a, this is the guy, this is the guy. I cost them like future top 10 rankings and they put, they would put like Ben Shelton in it. 
like five years from now, I'm like, who is this guy? And then to show up your first time out of the country and you make a quarterfinal, I mean, that's something special players do. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't disagree. I just, it would matter if he beat somebody in the pro. If he had one win to this point <laughs> that I thought was even that's half fair. relevant. Like, if I'm trying to even think, if he beat Roberto Batista a goot, I would have something. At least he's beaten no one to get to this point. Okay, it's, yeah. It's one of the most absurd – we talk about this all the time. That you, you bring this up more than I do on Courts of Thunder, where this is tennis. Like, you're going to go back and find out that someone made a, a slam final or a semifinal, and you're going to look at their run to the – and you're going to say, what the hell was that? And this is Ben Shelton. Like, Ben Shelton, look at the names of who he's played to get to this point. There's nothing there. Like, nothing. They're not even right. It's, a, it's a it's a weird sport because a guy like Yuri Lehechka, who lost last yes. night to Sitsipas, he made the quarterfinals. Um, on paper, had has had like a better tournament until that point than literally anyone in the draw. He beat Cam Nori, he beat Felix, he beat another top thirty player. I'm forgetting uh, how the born, top born a and it, Yeah, it's a it's a yeah, it was a bizarre it's a bizarre sport where you can be like in theory have the best results in the entire tournament but uh still no one knows your name and it doesn't get you that far unless exactly. you can just like win seven of them exactly yeah. that's where i'm at uh greg rosenthal is with us what else has stood out to you so far in this event like i to me i know what you're talking about with Djokovic. if he's healthy if what we saw last night is that he's completely healthy he's probably unbeatable if he's not completely un like healthy I do think Rublev can give him a hell of a fight tonight. Like, I think that he could be in for a battle if he's not 100%. I know he looked 100% the last time we saw him, but if he's not, I do think this becomes very interesting tonight. Yeah, I think Rublev's had a better sort of mindset than he normally does. Djokovic looked so healthy the other night. I'm just assuming he's going to win this tournament. But I do I do feel like Tsitsipas, like he's due to have one tournament sometime. You know what I mean? And he, he actually, I, he seems like he's in a better place right now than, than I've ever seen him. And so if that makes, if that's the final, I actually think that Tsipas, you know, would make it interesting. Could, I, could have a chance. There. I hear you. The center thing really did show something like the Tsitsipas that we know is the guy that when he blows a two set lead, he's done. Like he's just out of it. Um, he can't come back from that. He's too emotional. He's a wreck. And the fact that he rallied back in order to win that fifth set did say something to me about him. I do still think he's plenty capable of, you know, taking a 20-minute bathroom break and losing his mind uh, the first time he gets in, into a bad spot if he faces Novak Djokovic in a final. So I'm not, I'm not. I'm not I really hope he beats, yeah, Hatchinoff. And uh, on the on the women's side, you know, Rabakina, who won Wimbledon, and I and I felt bad for her because she's the most unknown Grand Slam champ ever. I think at this point she's the favorite, her and Sabalenka, and this is not a matchup that's probably gonna like get the American audience going. But man, they bat the ball, and uh, they would be deserving. And it would be interesting to see Sabalenka going for her first uh, Grand Slam title after being in the top five. 10 players in the in the world for the last four or five years. I am not. I Dude, after what she did last night, I'm kind of leaning back towards Vika, man. <laughs> like, that, that... That would be awesome. I would love it. I've seen her at the uh, third uh, street promenade here in Santa Monica. She lives a town over. She's got, like, a kid. She's kind of been out of the game. She was one of my original favorites, yeah. so I would love to see that. Dude, I, that was... <laughs> that looked like... Like that, she looked like herself last night. Like she looked real mm, in mm. that one. 
all right, well, you know, I, there's that. I guess I'm supposed to legally ask you a football question or two. Not that I care at this point. Well, I, tell me what you make. Oh. I, I don't. This, I, dude, this is so weird for me doing this every day. Well, you're sick of talking Lamar. I yeah, really, you're sick of talking. I, I'm really yeah. over. Like, I just want to know what's going to happen and move on. I've. Everybody but knows how I but feel. I, I'm. A, I have offered a different perspective. You know, yeah. I haven't been in this mix. I don't know what you guys are saying in Baltimore. What What are you guys saying? Oh, in people here all are all over the place. Greg, I mean, it's it's inf- like. It, by the way, it's this is why people think it's great sports radio fodder. I just don't like doing that sports radio. Like, it's not interesting to me. Um, I, there is at this point definitely, I don't know, a a, a vocal thirty percent or so of this fan base that is kind of moved on. They've 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 checked on from Lamar Jackson or checked out from Lamar Jackson. Mm. Um, and it's absurd to me. Like I, I, I yesterday. Some of my colleagues were talking about like, well, who would be the bridge quarterback that you'd be? Mo- I'm like, what are we? What is this? I know you. I know <laughs> you. I know what a Geno Smith guy you are. I understand, and I'm not trying to be because I think his story <laughs> is amazing. I think it's incredible. But pretending like at any point this season we were talking like Geno Smith had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl is he didn't. No one felt that way. It's it's a great story. It's awesome what he's doing. But nobody with a straight face believes you put Geno Smith on a good roster and you're going to go win a Super Bowl. Like, it's nonsense. This is – the 49ers thing maybe is screwing things up for everybody because you're starting to wonder, like, is it is it somehow possible to build such an infallible roster and have such strong coaching that you can still make, become a threat with, a you know, a, a mid-level sure. quarterback? But – Sure. It's such of a one. We've seen it. The, the, the Ravens won a Super Bowl that way. <laughs> well, no, they won a Super Bowl because their quarterback played like he was brilliant for a stretch of. Four I, get it, like, I get it. I get it. Like I get it. They well, the 49ers almost won a Super Bowl that way. That's the, uh, that is, two years, that two, is, three that years is fair. That is fair. A hundred percent. So, is yeah. it possible? It's I, very hard, though. That's the point. Like the idea of just moving on from your quarterback. The, de- deciding to become that team because you're afraid of the whatever it is because you're afraid of the words fully guaranteed because you think you're gonna get stink eyed at the owners meetings whatever that is that's the I I can't stomach that it's nuts to me that you would operate in a world that nobody's ever done this before like this is insane what we're talking about there is no team that has ever had this caliber of quarterback and has just moved on because they got afraid of about the amount of money they were gonna have to pay him. Right. Well, they, it, it'd be interesting because obviously they would get a lot if you could tag and trade him. Um, but I also think all this talk is kind of silly because I just don't believe that there'll be any scenario where he's not on the Ravens this year. I mean, there's a scenario where there's like a holdout and it's a whole long, very annoying story to cover. Um, but I don't personally believe there's uh, a scenario because I think deep down, Lamar does want to be there. And I think deep down, they want, not even deep down, they, they just want Lamar to be there too. And I thought it was interesting and important the way Harbaugh handled that post-game or that postseason press conference after the way he had handled it during the season, which was a little weird. People thought they, he was hanging Lamar out to dry a little bit in some of those press conferences, and you can understand in the emotion of the season. Um, but I, I just think it's really all about Deshaun Watson's contract, and this is finally the first thing the Browns have done to get back at the Baltimore uh, Ravens <laughs> for uh, taking their team is give the dumbest contract in NFL history. And now it's led directly to Lamar Jackson. I really think it's a one-to-one thing. Lamar is just like, he got that contract. I'm not taking anything less than that. 
like come back to me when I, when when you when you have that. <laughs> I, what I struggle with, Greg, is I don't understand why I, people are so afraid of the words "fully guaranteed" when they know damn well every quarterback has always gotten every penny of the money and then some. Like I don't get. Well, not Russell Wilson. I hear you, but we'll, um, we'll find I hear out, you with right. Lamar, and I think these young guys. I think they. They should just get them, and I, I do think it's a league meeting thing, and Bisotti not wanting to set a precedent and all this stuff, which to me is stupid. Just, just pay that's the that's the part. What you just said is the part that I can't stomach. I can't stomach the notion. Like if if they internally knew there was some degenerative health issue with Lamar Jackson that we don't know about yet, like fine, you know what I mean. I I can get that, but the idea of this really coming down to we think this is a slippery slope and other teams are going to be pissed off at us and Steve Bishotti is not that guy. He's just not. He does not like being the guy that rocks the boat and I don't want to be the guy that gives out a fully guaranteed contract. I, I cannot fathom a loop, fumbling a franchise quarterback, a generational talent over not wanting to be the guy that gave out the words fully guaranteed when you know damn well you're going to pay the dude every penny that you give him in a contract anyway. Like, I, what is the but, win there? You're right. Right, and I just, I, I guess I just don't, yeah, see much reason to think it, it, he'll be gone because they still control his rights. They would be happy to, they would give him the second tag. Like, it might take a long time to play out. I don't know. I heard some numbers. I, You know, it's hard to know how confirmed there are, but the numbers that were kind of going around league circles, there was definitely a lot of speculation and uh, buzz that, the, you know, they were negotiating in that, in that week when Roquan Smith got his contract and the guaranteed money is, you know, it's like halfway there, but it's not, <laughs> it, you know, I just don't think he's going to sign for the Josh Allen type of contract. And, and you can say, okay, that's a bad, that's bad by Lamar. Why doesn't he just take Josh Allen's money? Or you can say, like, look, Josh Allen could have gotten a lot more guaranteed yep. money if, if, if you look back at it. Maybe his agent didn't really help him much. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm with you. And by the way, like, I, I was told at one point by someone who definitely would know that Lamar did not present this as a black and white thing. Like, this was not either fully guaranteed or nothing. Okay. That there could be a number in there that you could find but it wasn't 133 million, right? Like that there is a a number that you could get to where you could save face and say we didn't give fully guaranteed and yet still get it done. I was in that was something I was told last summer, but at the same time I was told that both sides were encouraged that something might get done before the season began and obviously that didn't happen. Mm. So I don't I don't know what to make of it and I am I I honestly have reached the point where I'm utterly sick of it. Like I'm just so, I just I just want to know. I'm sick of doing the, the hypotheticals. I'm sick of everybody's opinions. I'm sick of it. I am. I. This is why I'm probably not good for this business any longer, Greg. Like I'm too. I'm. I'm too old oh to, to do the, walk in every day and be like, let's talk about this dumb tweet that I saw today and somebody's silly opinion. Well. Well, uh, enjoy Tommy Paul versus Ben <laughs> Shelton tonight. That's pure and it's that sunny guy. there. It's Australia. It's like. Yeah. Summer, everything. It just seems nice there. Yeah. What's happening? Uh, what's the around the NFL plan for the uh, the next couple of weeks? Well, we do we do head to the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. Till then, we're doing our, our regular uh, three shows three shows a week, and uh, I'm excited. It's pretty rare to have four teams in the conference championship, which feel like they're not only the best four teams all year. 
uh, but have about an equal chance to win the Super Bowl. I, you know, there's some numbers to it that like literally this hasn't ever happened in terms of two games with a point spread yeah. this low uh, in the same week in the conference championship. No doubt, no doubt. At Greg Rosenthal on Twitter is how you follow him. I'll do his best. I'll do my best to push him to do a show at the end of the Australian Open, but I don't have I don't have high hopes. I don't have high hopes for making it happen. Greg gets very excited when uh, we get to the American swing. When we get to Miami and Indian Wells, Greg starts bugging me about it. Ooh, that is a good one. He's always like, dude, yeah, let's, let's do some shows one. now. And I will be happy to do it at that point. Uh, love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks, Ryan. See ya. It's Greg Rosenthal. Uh, around the NFL, of course, NFL Network, NFL.com and my partner on Courts of Thunder. And, yes, to those of you that are Courts of Thunder fans, and I appreciate you reaching out. It's just a tough for multiple reasons. One, it's tough because we can't watch all the matches. They're happening at 3 in the morning. Not ideal for trying to talk about a match that you only barely saw anything of. If that, you kind of feel like idiots. There's a lot of reasons why the Australian Open just doesn't work out. If you if you want to pay us... Why don't we do the show from Australia next year? And then... I have said a, a number of times, it's always been my dream, that at some <laughs> point I could just... just blackout football and just go spend in January in Australia. Like, I've talked to my wife about it. Whenever she talks about, like, crazy... So she one time had a cousin that was getting married in Paris. And, like, when I say cousin, I mean, like, cousin. Like, family, friend, that type of deal. Someone I had never met before. But this is before we were married. We were dating, and she said, would you want to go? And I was broke. <laughs> like, I just said, no. Like, we can't... <laughs> I don't care that much about Paris. I, I had been when I was a child. It's not like it was... I had, I can tell everybody I'd been to Paris. I don't remember much. I was 10 or something like that when I had gone. Um, then you found out it was the same week as the French Open. No, it was Wimbledon. Oh. And oh, so okay. so, so I, when when we first when she first asked me, I was just like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. And then she came back to me a week later. She was like, um, just want to put this out there. Wimbledon's going on at the same time. And if we go a couple days early, we could take a day and go across for Wimbledon and then come back and I said well better find some money <laughs> like better dig in and it was the greatest thing we ever did it was a, it really was magical everything about it and we got to spend 20 seconds with uh, Serena Williams famously because Bryant oh, okay. McKinney Bryant McKinney found out that I was going and was like dude if you, you know if you happen to be anywhere near just like yell out this guy's name and see if he recognizes and sure enough she played on court two that day we you have, court two, you have to walk back through like the public in order to get to the locker room. And so she's walking through the public, and I just said, what the hell? I shouted out the guy's name, and the guy stopped. And he looked at me, and I was like, I'm friends with Bryant McKinney. And he was like, come with me. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, holy F, we got 20 seconds. That's all we got. Like, it was very quick, and uh, but it was, it was very cool. I mean, it was just a, a magical moment for us, and we had a wonderful time going to Wimbledon. So we've talked about this since then, and she'll talk about, like, because next year's our 10th anniversary. We do that. Yeah, tech 10th next year. And she said before, like, well, we should go somewhere crazy. And I was like, well, you know damn well. You know what is at the top of the list for your pal. The problem being, you just know if we plan it out that way, it'll be the year the Ravens make a Super Bowl run. <laughs> like, you right. just know that it'll work out that way. I screwed it up this year going to Disney World while they were firing the offensive coordinator and getting booted out of the playoffs, and I wasn't doing shows. So... We'll see. We'll see. I don't think we, we definitely after the Disney World trip, we sure as hell cannot afford a trip to Australia next that's year. So I mean we take the show, you do Glenn right, Radio. Right. We'd have to if you can work on getting it sponsored, <laughs> if you can work on that, pal. Like and by the way, I've said this a million times. You want Greg and I to do Australian open shows? Tell me. Tell me where the money's coming from. <laughs>
We'll make it happen. I assure you. I just took my family to Disney World. I need all the money I can get. You tell me. You got a sponsor. You think we could do a Substack? That people always say that. Like people, you know, we there's enough fans of that show that like we you could probably do a subscription. I'm like I I I feel really icky about that. Like we're not there. <laughs> We're not tennis writers. Like, we don't have particular access. We're just dopes that like watching tennis. I don't feel good about the idea of charging people for that show. Like, that doesn't feel right. But um, if that's what it takes in order to do an Australian Open show, I guess tell me that you're interested. We'll make it happen. All right. Um, hey, Charles, you're not doing Fighting Words today, are you? Was the, pl- the plan was due it Thursday. I realized we probably should have. Yeah, like, you told me Thursday. But there was so much stuff. Like, I there know, was so yeah. much meat that we didn't get to cover last week because yeah. I wasn't here. All right, we'll save it all. Save it all. We'll talk about John I'll Jones. We'll you. talk about Francis. Yes, we'll talk about all that stuff on uh, yeah. on Thursday for Fighting Words. It's it was a week. big week oh, in yeah. the world. It was a big, meaty week in the world of yeah. fighting. Big weekend for the big boys. And, the, yeah, there was, a, there, there was also a fight, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, on top of everything else, there was a big fight. We'll cover all that in Fighting Words on Thursday. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit and two-bit to wrap things up for a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kidsclub for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kidsclub. The latest edition of Press Box is available now and it's our annual best of issue on the cover we recognize orioles catcher adley rutschman as our 2022 mo gabba sports person of the year and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in baltimore was simultaneous with the birds turnaround also inside we recognize the top people performances and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK Holiday Racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival Stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting Laurel Park That first sip, that first bite, Mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms.
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show, too. All right, winding down for a, a Tuesday edition of the program. So Griffin uh, just <laughs> informed me that uh, uh, Trey Mancini is going to join us on Thursday, which is great. Love, Of course, love Trey, and he wanted to get things sorted out this offseason. Of course, we now know he's signed a two-year deal with the Cubs. Uh, got married. He's had. A, he's got quite the off season. Yeah. So we wanted to be respectful of everything that was going on uh, before we had brought him back on. He's going to join us on Thursday. Well, on Thursday we're going to let Charles sit in the producer's seat. So Griffin, you know, today Griffin's been showing him the finer points of handling the phones, and he was like, "Hey, man, Trey Mancini's coming on on Thursday. You got to be ready to take that call and be cool." And it reminded me that the first time Griffin ever was the producer of the show. Famously, Cal Ripken was calling in. I don't even remember why. Like, was there a reason why Cal was calling in? I can't remember. I mean, it was Cal Ripken. It was, yeah, I mean, we would yeah. take Cal, but I, I don't, like, normally when Cal calls in, it it's because something. there's something going on. There's an anniversary or something, or, you know, he's an, he's launched something or something, like, whatever it was, but Cal was calling in. Look, I, look you know, it's it's the thrill of a lifetime for a kid that grew up in Baltimore that uh, we've had such a great relationship with Cal over the years, and you know, whenever we've needed anything, he's always been there. I mean, like, I, I, I can't say enough. Cal, his team, John Maroon, the whole crew, they've been unbelievable with us over the years. And I, I, I don't take that for granted, right? Like, it's Cal freaking Ripken that we're talking about. You go back and tell 12-year-old Glenn Clark that he was going to have, a, you know, a, a loose friendship or a, 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 a solid relationship with Cal Ripken as an adult. And I would have, I don't know what I would have done. I would have panicked. <laughs> but, um, so... So I said to Griffin, like, hey, dude, you're producing the show. Cal Ripken's calling in. You've got to be a professional. Like, you've got to be ready. Like, you got to sound, hey, Cal, thanks for calling in. Like, you got to be – and I made, him, I made him practice. In fact, we did it on the air. <laughs> we had him do a practice addressing Cal Ripken. Like, ring, 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 ring. Glenn Clark uh, Radio. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's hey, it's, in Baltimore. It's, it's Cal Ripken calling in. And when in practice, Griffin sounded fine. Like, he was like – Okay, Cal, thanks. Uh, we're going to get you on hold, and we'll be up with the guys in one second. And then it happened. <laughs> I believe it, Drew, In my head, it still went fine. I, I, I believe Drew was here that day, if I Drew remember correctly. Really? I don't know. Somebody, there, there was somebody else in the studio that day. I think it might have been Drew. Of course. Of course. Why, why not? <laughs> and I noticed, we were talking, and then I just sort of heard very sheepishly, Hi, 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 hi Cal. I was like, oh, in, in my head, it still no. went pretty well. <laughs> I mean, it could have been worse. There definitely have been worse. There's we definitely no got him through. We so, did get him through. That's yeah. the only part that really matters. <laughs> so uh, I was, it was a nice reminder to me <laughs> of that particular incident, which was very funny. Winding down for a Tuesday edition of the program, which has also been brought to you by UMBC Basketball. Trevor's women are home for two games this week, Wednesday against NJIT, Saturday afternoon against Vermont. Get your tickets right now by going to umbcretrievers.com. And then the men are back home the following Wednesday, so not tomorrow night. But, uh, boy, my God, that's February already. <sighs> Damn it. February. February 1st against Binghamton. The UMBC men are back at the peak. Get your tickets. Experience game day at the peak right now. Get your tickets at umbcretrievers.com. 
Anything we didn't get to today? Oh, apparently another couple of votes have gone in for Todd Helton this morning. Mm. And it was brought up by John Morosi that he now sits at 80%. And his drop-off last year was 5%. So if he dropped off 5% from where he is at the moment, he would still hit the 75% threshold. The Ryan Thibodeau and the, the tracker team suggests that still looking at the percentages, they still don't think that Todd Helton will get in. They're still, it, it seems, they're not saying that declaratively. They're just saying that right now, they still think it's an uphill battle for Todd Helton to get in. Um, but there is some encouragement that Scott Rowland might get in uh, when the, uh, the Hall of Fame announcement happens this evening. We will find out. Is there anything else we needed to cover today that uh, we had? I mean, I feel like Jeff Kent on. should be in. He won't. You're very, very, very hot and bothered. By the way, Gri- I, Gri- Griffin did that. Base. Griffin, I, I, maybe things I didn't notice because I was gone, did like a dumb bit on Twitter where he was like, if you disagree, then block me or something. Like, what the hell is wrong with Jeff you? Jeff Kent's a whole thing. Calm down. One of the greatest Get a hold of ever. your life. I, I definitely did a bit the first year when Roberto Alomar didn't get into the Hall of Fame. Now Roberto Alomar, we learned out, is kind of a scumbag, so I don't feel this way about him anymore. But Roberto Alomar was my favorite baseball player. Like he, Those two years when he was in Baltimore, it was unbridled joy watching that dude play baseball. I effing loved Roberto Alomar. And the notion of Roberto Alomar not being a first ballot Hall of Famer was bat-ass insane. And it was the spitting incident that like a few voters said, I won't. I won't vote for him the first time because I want to penalize him for the time that he spit on. It was John Hirschbeck, I believe, was the umpire. Um, and I get it. Like, it was disgusting. It was gross. But debating whether or not Roberto Alomar, th- I mean, this is insane. This is like the idiots that continue to not vote for Barry Bonds. Like, my God, if you can't understand that Barry Bonds is a Hall of Fame baseball player, get the entire F out. But I was young. I was your age. And I was very emotional about things at the time. And I was like, I was so angry about Roberto Alomar not getting into the Hall of Fame that first year. I was like, I don't even think I want to watch baseball now. And I remember Drew being playing the role of me that I'm now playing with you. And Drew looking at me like, dude, chill out. It's so weird to think of Drew as the voice of reason. Not watching this ceremony tonight. I mean, why would anyone do that? No offense. I mean, my friends that work for the MLB Network, God bless you. I get it. You know, you're doing content, the whole thing. I can't imagine watching the entire thing. Well, Jesus Christ. No, Twitter not, can, not even tuning in. Twitter can let me know who made the Hall of Fame. I can get a text that lets me know who made the Hall of Fame. Uh, by the way, the years where there, like Mike Messina was on the ballot or somebody relevant, I did kind of want to know immediately. But years, I, like, I don't really care if Todd Helton gets in or not. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I'd vote for him. I said that before. But I don't care. Like, if he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame, it's not the end of the world. He'll almost certainly get in next year at this point. But... I'm not. There's no chance that I sit down and watch the television show. Come on, man. What are we doing? Like, do you really have that little going on in your life? I was life? very upset last year when I watched it, and then it was Dave Ortiz. Why would you watch the, it? I wasn't doing anything. There's got to be something better to do with your it time. It was like winter break. And, are you, are know. you aware that there's an entire world of content available on these apps? It was like winter break. I haven't man. watched that haven't 90s show on. yet. i got to get in on that. I haven't even finished Last Chance You yet. I usually take like a winter class. I wasn't taking a winter class last year. There's so. still an entire internet, dog. <laughs> like the whole internet exists. Yeah, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mixed was on the internet. Jesus Christ. All right, let's get to it. Tidbit is brought to you today. Uh, by, oh, you know, just a reminder that gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.com. 
uh, list of most consecutive conference championship game appearances. So most consecutive conference championship game appearances. For a team? For a head coach and quarterback duo. So Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid now in their fifth consecutive championship appearance. They tie the Hall of Famer Ken Stabler and John Madden, who did it five times in a row from 73 to 77. Uh, And then there was, of course, one duo... uh, uh, up in New England, that did it yeah, uh, eight times a, in a row. A ton. Yeah, so how Belichick, many times in a row? Eight times for Belichick. But how many times was it for Madden and then uh, five as well? Five, and then okay. Mahomes and Reed yeah. also five. Okay. Uh, then also uh, Travis Kelsey. I don't want to say Andy Kelsey. He continues to climb. Of course, rankings, we do still have the possibility of the Kelsey Kelsey Super Bowl. Yeah, like that yes. still could be in play in Philly and Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, but he's positioned himself like into like now the top five of like ten different stats in the playoffs uh, after his big game. He's at, and the one that I'm bringing up is now his third game of ten catches in two or more receiving touchdowns. I, I'm gonna, you know what's funny? I accepted Rob Gronkowski as like the greatest freak in the history of. And there's times when I watch Travis Kelsey where I'm like, he might be better. Yeah. Like I think he moves a little bit better than Gronk did. Like Gronk was. A capable runner, but an awkward runner. You see that with Mark Andrews sometimes, where you're like, everybody want, everybody says, like, you don't have any wide receivers, put him out wide. And then you, like, see him out wide, and you're like, oh, right. yeah. that's why you don't go out wide. I think Kelsey might be a better runner. When you really think about it, has, have you, like, think about it. Has Kelsey ever caught a contested ball? He's always open. He always catches the ball open. That's a really interesting yeah. point. There's always like three yards of space in between them. He's unbelievable, man. He's unbelievable, dude. Like, it's... His, it's so freakish. I don't know. I don't know yet that I'm ready to say that he's a like. There's always the debate about who had the better career versus who is the better. Like to me, Calvin Johnson is the greatest wide receiver of all time because of his pure freakishness. Rice. Right. Like I, we can debate Randy Moss and we can have a really Jerry good. Rice and... That's the Jerry Rice is the greatest career of yeah. any wide receiver in football history. But pure freakish. Put him anywhere, irregardless of quarterback, of circumstances. Calvin Johnson was an. I, I, you know, I talk about Zach Eady as being an alien. He was an alien. Like right. his skill set was just unlike anything I've ever seen before. And Randy Moss was unbelievable, right? Like to me, it's between the two of them for who's the greatest of all time. And I legitimately believe it might be Calvin Johnson. I've treated it that way with Rob Gronkowski because. He quit, and he came back, and he was hurt. His numbers are going to be surpassed by a lot of guys. But his pure, raw, freakish, what is this? What are we looking at at that position? I think Travis Kelsey might might be better. Like, might ben legitimately. Yeah. It's an interesting point that you bring up about him always being open. Like, he, he is a more natural runner. I mean, he's still not like a... You know he's not clean. He's not like a you know he's not a track star or something like that. But he is a more natural runner to me than Rob Gronkowski ever was. And dude, it is wild. Like a mountain of a man that also looks comfortable running. Whew. Yeah, go ahead. It seems like he always gets like a hell of yards after catch. Yeah, dude. He always yeah. gets. Like the yards that and again, Gronk got like, a lot of those just because he was a like he was a load, right? Yeah. Like, and Kelsey gets a lot of them because he's a load too. Like, he's they're very difficult to bring down, but in the open field, the specific open yeah. field, watching the dude run, it feels like he's got more to give as just a runner than Gronk ever did. Every catch seems like a guarantee of 
he's going to be open. There's yeah. not going to be a defender near him. And, and what he's going to make do? the first defender miss. What are you going to do? Like, and what not many tight ends can do that. Not yeah. Multiple guys to bring Look, I, you know, Kittle, Kittle looks great yeah. still. Like, dude, Kittle was such a beast on Sunday, man. Like, he, But I, there is really a conversation to be had about whether or not Travis Kelsey might be the, great, the most talented tight end of all time. Maybe even, like, receiver. Eh, no. No, uh, well, but what, what do you hear about on this list? But anyway, third game with 10 catches and two or more receiving touchdowns. No other player has done it more than once in the playoffs. I think Kelsey's already done it three times. So I wanted to know if you could name or at least how many of the 13 times it's been done by anyone not named Kelsey since 1994. Ten catches, two touchdowns in a playoff game. They've been done 13 times ten, by someone not named Kelsey. Ten catches. Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns in a playoff game. Yes. Yes. And it's 10 different players, you said? It is 13 different 13 players. 13 different since, players. Since I thought you said it was 13 times. 13 different yes. players. Okay. So 16 times, Kelsey. All right. I mean, well, Jerry Rice. Yes. Jerry Rice. My first guess In the 1995 Super Bowl. Fitzgerald. Yeah. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is not on the list. Wow. It feels like I'm just guessing the same guys I guessed yesterday, if I'm being honest with you. Um, like, Art Monk. Not, not Art Monk. Um... How about Michael Irvin? Yes, Michael Irvin as well, also in 1995. Randy Moss. Randy Moss is not on this list. I mean, opportunity was... Yeah. Holt or Bruce? Uh, no, neither of them. Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne? Reggie Wayne in 2005. Hmm. Um, Rob Gronkowski. Yes, Rob Gronkowski in 2012. Pretty good. Terrell Owens. Not Terrell Owens. That was my next pick. Deion Branch. Not Deion Branch. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We're just going with names. Andre Reed. Not Andre Reed. Steve Smith. Yes, Steve Smith did it in 2006. Tim Brown. Not Tim Brown. Antonio Brown. Uh, not Antonio Brown. Heinz Ward. Not Heinz Ward. Is there a Steeler on the list? There is not a Steeler on the list. Just surprising. There is one more tight end. Chill. Okay, sorry. Oh, Shannon uh, Sharp. Not Gonzalez. Shannon. Not not Gonzalez. <sighs> this is this is a very uh, very surprising when he was on the Eagles in 2009. Selick? Yes, Brent Selick did this in 2009. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> uh, all right. It's 12:24. Uh, the Working guy on. we were just talking about being the the freak. Randy Moss, or Calvin Johnson? Calvin Johnson. I didn't remember Calvin Johnson being in the yeah. playoffs. Well, I so. guess it was the one time, it was the wild the card time, game yeah. in 2012, right. <laughs> the one time he was in there. Jesus. I, that, I mean, that's that's the problem with that one. <laughs> you got to remember him being in the playoffs in order for that to have happened. Six more, uh, five Mo of them are more modern, like 2013 and on. 2013 and on. So, okay. still. Uh, Julio? Uh, yes, Julio did it in 2013. Uh, Odell Beckham. Not Odell Beckham. Devontae Adams. Not Devontae Adams. This guy was a longtime Colts and uh, T.Y. Hilton. Oh, T.Y. Yeah. Hilton in 2014. And then this guy was a Seattle Seahawk in 2016. He did it. Nate Burleson. Not Doug Baldwin. Baldwin. Not Doug Baldwin. Oh. Golden Tate? Not Golden Tate. Lockett? He, but that, yeah, he yeah not Lockett. Yeah. Percy Harvin? Per not Percy Harvin. The, o Rice. the other, The other random Seahawk, not Sidney Rice. Jermaine Curse. Jermaine Curse. Did oh, it in yeah, 2016. 
we could have been here for a while. There's another yeah. Seahawk, uh, more that that is currently another on the team. Another Seahawk, yeah, oh. that's currently on the team. DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf did it. Uh, oh, he did it this year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. the other week. I didn't remember that. Yeah, uh, and then uh, another guy that is currently on the Rams. Uh, currently on the right. Cooper Cup. Cup. Cooper yeah. Cup. And then that is, I think we got every, uh, there's got one it. more. Yeah. Did it in 2001. Uh, he was on the Giants. So he did it in the NFC Championship before they played the Ravens. Oh, yeah, when they won 41 to nothing or whatever it was. Yeah. So Ike Hilliard. Ike Hilliard did this in uh, in 2001. I've Whew. never even that heard of him There were some random wow. ass names on that list, bro. <laughs> <laughs> there were some real random names like Jermaine on that Curse. list. Yeah, Jermaine Curse is super Good random. One. Super random on that list. Brent Selleck, another they name all of the four, the Seahawks wide receivers. Yeah. Name every single receiver that's ever played for the Seahawks. <laughs> I'm about to go to Bobby Ingram on the list. God, that is rough. All right, Tubular is brought to you today by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. You heard it from John Colson. A new offer for this week only. If you're signing up for DraftKings for the first time, go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Click on the DraftKings link. New players bet just $5 and win $150 if either quarterback throws for more than one yard wow. in the Chiefs-Bengals game. And you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to sign up. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. As we mentioned, the Hall of Fame announcement, the pregame show starts at 4 o'clock, and you, you can't miss any of that. Uh, but the actual announcement is expected around 6 o'clock on MLB Network. Big Ten Network for Big Ten Hoops tonight. Penn State and Rutgers at 6.30. Northwestern Nebraska at 8.30. ESPN is Ohio State, Illinois at 7. The rest of the college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. Australian Open tonight. Uh, coverage starts at 7 on ESPN+. Plus. Moves to ESPN2 at 9. I think it's the, 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 the two other women's quarterfinals are up first. And then I think around 10.30 is when they expect the Ben Shelton, Tommy Paul, the All-American men's quarterfinal to start around 10.30 tonight on ESPN2. Uh, NBC Sports Washington, Wizards Mavericks at 8.30. TNT, Celtics Heat, 7.30. Clippers, Lakers at 10. NBC Sports Washington Plus, Capitals Avalanche at 9 o'clock. ESPN Plus and Hulu, Golden Knights and Devils at 7.30. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Uh, How I Met Your Father, Season 2 with Hillary Duff. right, Hillary Duff, yeah. yes. Um, 911 Lone Star, Season 4 premiere on Fox. Okay. The Rob Lowe one. That sure. Just saw a ton of commercials if for you because say of the so. playoffs. If you say so. Um, Natasha Leone is in on, on Jimmy Fallon for the new show uh, Poker Face. Oh, the right, Ryan I did Johnson. see that. That kind of looks like... It's like an anthology. Well, it's like some from the same guy that did Knives Out, yes, right? Yeah, Ron, that's yeah. Ryan Johnson. So it, yeah. lo- it looks really good. It looks really good. I'm excited for that. Comes out later. This I like week. her. Yes. Uh, and then Jason Siegel and Chuck D are going to be on Stephen Colbert. Uh, I saw a great tweet from you. Have no idea who Peter Segal is, but mm-hmm. like he's uh, the host of Wait Wait Don't Tell Me on NPR. It's a, a game show, but it's very funny. And he's he's a longtime broadcaster. And apparently, this has happened before, where he gets texts from like Hollywood agents that think they're texting Jason Siegel. Because his name is spelled like S S A G A, like it's very similar. They'll be like, "Hey, buddy, got an idea for you. Can I? Can we talk today?" And he'll be like, "Really quickly, do you think you're talking to Peter Segal or Jason Siegel?" <laughs> it's pretty funny, but you have to know who he is. So it's, it's whatever. Uh, anything else? Uh, nope. Those are the highlights. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Charles, you're on Twitter. Or anything? What are you on? You're on Instagram? Instagram, Charles AP28. That's right. Yeah. AP28 for uh, Adrian Peterson. Very good. And he's uh, running the board on Thursday. We'll see how it goes. Are we going to do uh, some TikTok? Have we gotten that straightened out? We need to have you talk to... I just uh, need to get the... the all right. We got we to have you connect with Carson. All right. Yeah. Got to have you connect with Carson. So I'll work on that. Very good. I think I, I, think I have it. So Well, then maybe we'll work okay. on that. Very good. <laughs> Thanks today to... 
Greg Rosenthal. Thanks to Joel Corey. Thanks to Patrick Stevens. Cam Spencer. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at Tomorrow on the program, uh, our buddy Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report. We do this every year. We kind of look over um, the big picture of the Ravens going into the offseason. Obviously, it's completely dominated by Lamar Jackson, but he is the salary cap guru over there. Um, it knows is very smart. Always have great conversations with Brian. Look forward to doing that tomorrow. Uh, Drew coming by tomorrow. Yeah, sure. Drew. Better for better or for worse. We'll do that and stuff and things as always on the program tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Maryland Jockey Club, Great Eights Memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialists, UMBC Athletics, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go, eh, nobody. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>